monkeys. More fun than a room full of wombats. Able to reach huge audiences with a single broadcast. Yes, it's the Outdoor Journal Radio Show. And now, another exciting episode in the adventures of Outdoor Journal Radio. Well, Happy New Year's, everybody. We made it. <laughs> wow, could, can you believe were, it? There were moments where I was uh, doubtful. But touchy, here, yeah, yeah, touchy, yeah. You here know. we are, 2024. Uh, thank you for all of you for uh, joining us today and staying with us throughout the year. It's been a fantastic year. We're going to... And, 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 this is episode 100. Ah. Yeah, man, hell yeah. Woo! Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. baby. I love that. Uh, yeah. We're going to dissect uh, this year. You know, the usual review, um, New Year's review. We're going to go through some of the old episodes uh, from this season, and we're going to see uh, see what... Uh, see how they rated, how, how they rated. How our audience loved yep. them or hated them or uh, unbiased. Uh, thank you to all of you for a great uh, uh, grand opening for the Fishing Canada store this year. Finally, way yeah. overdue. Yeah, way overdue. It's Only now, about 25 years overdue, right? <laughs> exactly. <I'd say. laughs> it's now up and running. Uh you know, it's being populated with new products on a daily basis. So from here on in, it's just going to grow uh, like crazy. So bear with us. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, thanks for your participation in uh, getting it off the ground. It's been fantastic. If you have not been there yet, uh, please do go. Um, there, I believe there's a sale going on right now on some of these. There's always summer a sale stuff. going on. There. Is that what it is? If people want to see some of the stuff, but they're not going to the internet, and you want to hear this podcast, you could actually see Angelo and I modeling it live on YouTube on our Fishing Canada YouTube my. channel. We are always wearing different ideas, different. Uh, if it's in the store, maybe an idea for the store or something like that, and you can get a look at that on our YouTube uh, channel, like this right here. This is a. I don't know when the uh, last time I saw you with the collar. Well, once. A year, once a year, once a year, bud. Whether I need to or not, you know. So New Year's, I th- okay. I'm with collarless. Yes, he's collared today. Yes, so sir. there's a new, maybe we're a new trend for the uh, don't get used to it, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listener feedback via Apple Podcast. This is a good one. I'm really happy for this one. Um, doesn't tell us who or what, but anyways, uh, does it? Am I? Yeah, a little freeboarder. Oh, Little Freeboarder. Thank you, Peter. You're welcome, Little Freeboarder via Apple Podcast uh, says, I always enjoy the podcast, but the Sam Lowry episode was one of the best. Uh, You should bring on more Ontario COs. Uh, Great content. So for those of you who might not be familiar with that episode, uh, Sam Lowry was a, is, is, not was, uh, is a retired CEO from uh, Montana and Arizona, I believe, were the two jurisdictions that he worked uh, through. And he wrote a book, and he's got just some some outstanding stories, and that's what this was all about, was getting um, Sam on to share some of those stories with you. And they're outraged. What uh, episode is that, uh, Dean? 96. So 96, if uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, please go back uh, into the library, uh, episode 96. It's a great one. I'll tell you, Sam, he's such a personality, too. And then, when you, and then uh, Little Freeboarder asked about the Ontario CEOs. The problem is we have a hard time getting current CEOs, conservation officers, on the show, and that's because they're government employees, right? And, they, and they're very, the Canadian or Ontario government, at least, is very uh, walking on that real, well, you know, it, edge. It, to- in all fairness to that comment, Sam is retired. That's what I mean. 
I'm saying but, but current. I'm saying, he said COs. Yes, Ontario but, COs. Yeah, but so. but if Sam were still working, I don't think he could talk regardless uh, oh yeah. of where he, what country he's from. Right. So I agree. These guys, you're taking got, a chance on your job, right? Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. you're probably there's probably all kinds of laws and rules that you can't do oh, it, yeah, right? I would can. I would assume now. To, we, to get some Ontario retired conservation officers, we've looked into it. They're hard to find, but we're gonna st- we're gonna keep working on it because we agree. You want to think you think that we don't like that content? We love that content. We love hearing that kind of stuff. So uh, we will try our, our best. To, you know, we will get Dean on it and, and bird dog into these old retired Come CEOs. On now. By the then, way, uh, we've asked Sam Lowry to uh, to become a semi regular on this ep- on this show. Uh, maybe monthly or every six weeks, which he's cool with. But I've also asked him to be a podcaster and start his own show because I oh, think he yeah. is, he's just got just so much he's great stuff. It, so keep an eye out because uh, certainly uh, this year we uh, plan on doing a lot more with him. So thank you very much for yeah. pointing that out awesome. to us. Uh, podcast network highlights. This is a good Mr. one. Eh? The good episode number 22 uh, it says staff, the good, the bad, and the beautiful. <laughs> I just love that. Uh, uh, Diaries of a Lodge Owner. Di- right? Diaries of a Lodge Owner. See, I said the same thing when I first read. I said, oh, I don't remember that episode, but it wasn't <laughs> ours. And so I think whoever made this uh, beautiful little uh, dossier uh, missed some words there. Come on now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Poor Dean. Uh, I know. I know. Give it's, him accolades one minute and then rip his head off the next. I know. Bunch of bullshit. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> That's it. Poor Dean. Um, I, uh, I, 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 this, this was a great episode, it's but a great I, story. I know from uh, speaking with Steve, the, uh, the host of the show, um, on several occasions about this, it's one of the, one of his pet peeves, one of the biggest problems he had in lodge ownership was staff. I think that's a common uh, occurrence throughout that industry. Uh, but some of the stories he's got about staff oh my God. disappearing. But, they, but the, the kitchen staff is that oh much higher because, God. yeah, Stevie could even go and make the beds and he could do whatever. If he had to do something, he could do it, right? Or, yeah. or, or fix something. But when, yeah. Yeah, when you have to start cooking for 35 people at that night and it's got to be good, oh, my God, that must be a tough oh one. Boy. So that's a great story. I how Steve's staff kitchen just left right before lunch and they just didn't come back. So you want to check that episode of Diaries of a Lodge Owner, episode 22. It's, it's pretty funny. Good story. <laughs> uh, news. So this is the highlights of the news this past season. On uh, no, not the, not this nope. one, is it? No. I don't oh, think. this is not news. This, this is just is, the news. This is news. Wow. Right now, news. Yeah. When we're done this show, remind <laughs> me to have a meeting with whoever puts this stuff together. <laughs> okay. I just want to get sure. some clarity. Clarity. Thank you. I want clarity. Like my buddy Andre Charette, he always said to the laborers, we want clarity here when we're working. And it was, he just, There's something to be said for clarity. Oh, yeah. I think it's a wonderful thing. But anyway, so in the news, current news. Yes, sir. Not to be confused with the uh, news of the past. Old news. We don't need old news. We're, not do- we're dealing with this current news now. now. Apparently. 2024. 2024. We're, 20, we're this there. Is in. We're there now. Apparently. There now. Uh, catch and release study on crappy. This is very interesting. And, and it's very real. And it was conducted, I'm going to make an assumption, uh, anglingbuzz.com and Minnesota DNR. Uh, a collaborative effort? Yeah. Is, yep. is the angling buzz, is that the Linder boys or, or part of that group? I don't or? think so. No? no? I think they're no. independent, yeah. Okay. So they did a study this 
past year, I'm assuming. They couldn't have done it this week. Yeah. The past year. Uh, yeah. The guy was on two inches of ice. It may have actually been in the last couple of weeks. Really? It was published on December 7th. Wow. Yeah, it was not a lot of ice. They're from the north, right? Yeah. And they're looking to uh, test the uh, survival rate of deep water crappie that are released. I mean, this has been an ongoing thing since we started fishing tournaments 125 years ago. Um, People saying, yeah, you release them, but, you know, what sort of success rate? How many of them live? And my my answer has always been 100%. 100% of the fish that I release... (laughs) stand a ch- better chance of survival than the fish that I don't release. 100%. That's a pretty good comment right there, buddy. It's 100%. I'm not a real re- arithmetic professional here, but that sounds pretty good to me. I like those numbers. <laughs> it's so but, true. We could we could release 100 fish. Uh, Angie and I could release 100 fish in a derby, in a fun, in a shoot, or whatever, and they all have a chance. But that one that you keep, you're dying. 100% dead. You're dead. So there you go. <laughs> No, I just we're we're That's kidding. Good. But at the time, you know, when this stuff was first coming up, it, it it was a question that reared its ugly head quite often, actually. And there were very few studies that would allow us to say definitively 100%, 90%, 80 80%, 75%, because it just wasn't any information. So basically, um, these folks got together and um, I guess maybe the the rise of forward-facing sonar maybe had a lot to do with this, especially oh, this, in particular with crappies. It's probably got everything to do with it. Would you say that crappie is probably the most affected by forward-facing sonar in terms of... of uh, yeah, I would say that for sure, because if you, if you really look, if you start YouTubing and looking for crappie anglers, crappie tournaments, etc., and the forward-facing sonar deal, and those guys, you think that the bass anglers... Are advanced in forward-facing sonar. Uh-uh. It's the crappy guys who are setting all the trends. They got, they got all, the, all the rods. They got oh. all the screens in front of them, and and they are setting the trends for then the bat. Then it goes transition to the bass guys, then to the walleye, guy, walleye anglers, and all that stuff. So the, the crappy anglers are really into the forward-facing sonar like like nobody else. It's it's incredible what they're doing, um, and and it, it really. And I mean, I got. I'll go back to my buddy, Mikey Burris. Mikey was telling me the story before I heard this story this year about how he, he got onto the crappy fishing with it, open water. Um, he says, it's amazing technology. It's unbelievable. But he got to the point where he's saying, I don't even know if I want to go anymore because of this right here. He says, because when I go out and get these fish that are hovering over 40 feet of water in a big school and I'm dropping my slip bobber down, he says, you have to keep everyone because everyone will die. Right. So he says, so I'm going to go out there and keep my first seven or eight fish. All I want is seven or eight fish in a day. And I can't fish for fun anymore, he said. It's a great Good point. point. So he says, I don't even know if I want to go out anymore because I don't want to kill them. Like he just, like, and Mikey's, you know, he's a conservationist. He loves catching fish and eating fish, so, but he doesn't want to. And if he gets seven that are not really big, you know, they get those little guys out of there. You've just killed seven fish. You're not really, you know, you're not going to get a meal out of it and all that. And so stuff. the question I would ask is, well, why don't you go look for shallower fish? Because at that time of year, there are no shallower exactly. fish. They are bunched in big balls exactly. over top of the, you know, this is later in the year. This yeah. is usually fall. Yeah. And, uh, and the only time you find them is out in the open water. 
It's easy to find him with forward. I'm telling you, you look at it. We've seen it. You've seen those just like a ball of bait. Well, yeah. imagine crappies are it's even more prominent, right? So, and that's what the study's all about is that when they're doing it ice fishing, because that's the same thing. Usually these fish are hovering over deeper water as a rule in the ice fishing. And a hard, some of the results here. Um, well, first of all, the method that they used was to do this through the ice yeah. uh, so they could control it. Um, rod and reel. So yep. that they uh, imitated what a normal angler would go through. And then they would release them into a pens that were sitting giant pen. just below the ice. Yeah. Right. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. So the, so they did three different, looks like three different lakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, lake one, uh, which had a 44 foot uh, depth to it. They caught fish in 28 feet of water, 12 recovered, 16 died. Wow. And 22 were non-releasable. Could not return to the depth. Wow. They just stayed up floating. Lake number Holy two. Man, hang on for let's just stop there for a minute. And that's twenty eight feet. Yeah, because usually always, that number is thirty. But we used yeah, to hear the thirty, 30 foot was the 30, number that thirty the, and even thirty five. You know, is a concern. But here we're talking twenty eight. Twenty eight. So you and by the look of it, by the look of it, less than twenty percent, yeah. almost fifteen percent survived. Mm-hmm. Wow, which is quite surprising. Wow, which I thought I thought at twenty eight feet that there would be a now, lot is it a possibility releases. that this is just inherent in this particular species now well yeah i think obviously yeah, right? yeah i would think that there's got to okay. be something to do with the crappie versus the smallmouth versus the walleye sort of thing like that right right and i don't even know about the saltwater fish where to start there because you see those those yellow white rockfish that come up with their oh my god right, right out of their faces right it's ridiculous and the next uh, lake number two is 24 foot of water lake uh, the fish were caught in 16 feet of water, 48 recovered, two non-releasable. There you so go. much better. Lake number three, 29, a little deeper, 29 feet of water. The fish were caught at 22 in 29 and 46 recovered and four were dead. Yeah. So, so, so it looks to me here, looks to me here that, um, that 20 to 25 foot is probably the, the magic number in terms of where the fish are when they're caught. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether the total depth of the lake would make a huge difference. See, based on this, the first lake was 44 feet, but the fish were caught at 28. Yeah. Yeah. Which they do. They suspend, right? These fish do suspend through the wintertime and through the late fall. So it's these numbers. Yeah. We'd have to really work with these. uh, You know, we should probably look into it a little more. 20 feet. 20 feet seems to be now for crappy. Mm-hmm. So when you're fishing this very quickly, when you're fishing this ball of crappies, though, they can be from 20 feet to 30 feet. It could be a 10-foot thick band of, of fish. So what's to right. say that that 30-footer wouldn't come up and, and pop your jig too, there's, right? There's and then he's not going to be able to be released. Now, usually you can hover it above them in the 20-footers. That'd be great if you could do that and just catch the top. But maybe the top ones are small and the bottom ones are big. There's just so many variables. And, one of the, one of, and I'm sure that the amount of time coming through the different depths would make a difference too, yeah, right? Yeah, because the faster is more dangerous, exactly. and it's a panfish, so he's going to come up fat. fat. You're, you're, there's yeah. hardly any resistance, right? So I'm wondering about the release devices, like the sequelizer um, and things like that. I wonder if they, or, or even um, fizzing. I wonder if a crappie can be fizzed. They're so small. It'd be a dangerous yeah. p- poke in there for sure. But what about a release device? I wonder if you could literally 
do the old milk reverse milk crate thing and put it in there and drop it down to that 30 foot of water and would they would they release it because these guys didn't look like they tried that no they put it in that pen and that pen looked like it only went down to about 10 feet 18 it didn't yeah look, yeah it looked like it's any deeper than that maybe not even so um because that's what i would think that you should you should try and bring a, a release device if you're crappy fishing in deep water uh, ice fishing or or open water fishing and try that it might work i mean Anyways, I'm sure there are going to be many studies uh, in the future on on this subject. I think this is just the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. Uh, keep an eye on it. This was on uh, the news on FishingCanada.com. News, the current yeah. news, like yep. as we speak. As we speak, yep. Yeah. As we speak. By the way, uh, one more quick point. Uh, it's been somewhere governed in the States. Uh, an aquatic government company says that Fizzing is more dangerous than release devices. Release Aquatic devices, government company, whatever. Explain not it's, that. It's a, I can't remember the name of it. I got it on my desk over there. I can go, go get, get it. it. No, I'm not leaving the show. Oh, a o something something. Anyways, okay. I just look at it. This uh, is a government agency yeah, that deals with uh, aqua uh, yeah. things. They're saying that these release devices are much safer than fizzing a fish. I couldn't agree more, and I'm not even a scientist. Is that right? because of infe- that. like infection? or They just no, said it's, it's more effective, yeah. and it just works uh, better. So Personally, I think it's because uh, you should leave poking anything alive with needles to, to, people who, to people who know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair. I've always they, said that. They That's talked about b- uh, bubbles in the skin, too. They're talking about that even in there. So you can't get those out with it. But yeah. maybe they can release as you drop them down. Maybe. I don't know. So. Mm. All I know is we should not be playing around with needles and fish. End of story. I tried it once. And it traumatized me and the fish. You, oh, I thought you meant you tried it in yourself. I thought you said you needled yourself there a little never, bit. Never did that. Back in the day? As an adult. No? No. Going to a Led Zeppelin concert or anything? Hitting her up pretty good? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. What is the conclusion? Well, you're going to have to read it. It's uh, fishingcanada.com uh, in the news section. And it is called, the story is called, A New Catch and Release Study. There you go. Go check it out. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's really cool. All right. Fan question of the week. Now, this is current. Yep. This is not a this is compilation of 2024 right 2024. now. 2024. As All we right. speak. Andrew Williams from Ontario via email. Thank you, Andrew, for reaching out to us. And if you have a question to ask uh don't be shy don't think that it's there's no dumb questions there's a lot of dumb answers given here but there's no dumb questions you always say i'd ask dumb questions though why do you always say how come they have no dumb questions but i mine are all dumb you're just full of dumb questions you've been you know dumb dumb you dumb dumb what movie was that (laughs) what movie uh me no dumb dumb you dumb dumb i have no idea the night at the museum great there you go there There you go go. uh (laughs) Where was I? Uh, so, yeah, reach out to us. Reach out to us and uh, and send us questions uh, via email at info at fishingcanada.com. They can also do it in other ways, right, Dean? Yep, on Instagram, on YouTube, on wherever else you can. Reach us. Yeah, you can find us. All right. You seem like you're in a hurry today. Are I you, thought you were got, in a hurry, actually. We're only a, 20 minutes in and we're halfway you, down the show. Have you, are you uh, like going <laughs> Let's on get a, her done, boys. We got to go somewhere. <laughs> you got someplace to go today I, that I'm not aware of? I was going to ask you that earlier. We're flying here. Oh, well, I know. I'm just trying to keep pace. You know, yep. pace is important. Yep. Pace is important. So I'm just trying to pace it so the fine folks listening to this 
can get a sense of movement. Sometimes we get stuck in the quagmire in this show, and quagmire. we just sit there. I quagmire. I wish I had that on the board. Oh my god, I need to quagmire! Get that. You got to get quagmire on the yeah. board. Yeah, okay. and we just sit there and spin he and spin and spin <laughs> and spin. And uh, the good people out there listening, they deserve giddy, giddy, better. All right. <laughs> The uh, question of the, of the podcast, we'll call it. The, uh, the hot spot of the week provides the GPS on uh, the Fish and Canada television. The hot spot of the week provides GPS coordinates for your TV viewers. Do you receive any negative feedback or comments on providing? Please discuss your thoughts on this topic in general. Thank you. Andrew, thank you very much great for asking question. that. That's a great, great, great outstanding. That might be the question of the year. Can we do a question of the year? There's going to be a lot after this one, so... I'll we can't... Can we enter that? Oh, no, this would be This is 2024, in, so oh. he's got a full year ahead of him. Too. So this... Andrew, stay tuned, buddy, because that might be the question of the year for the 25 uh, New Year's show. Great question, Andrew. I mean, we, and we think... We thought about this before we even did it, created it, and we still think about it all the time. Um, so the answer is yes. Yes, yes, and yes, but not from you. Not from the audience. No, the audience I don't think this. We have process. ever received a negative comment from the yeah, audience. I don't think so. Not that I can remember. So the, right now they're comments. all thinking, well, if it's not from the audience, who the hell would it be from? That's what they're thinking right now. So right? Uh, we've received, not anymore. Nope. <laughs> not anymore because nobody left. <laughs> Let's be honest <laughs> about it. Uh, and the segment's been on for like 20 years. So. Exactly. But yeah, we, we used to get a lot from the, um, from the industry, actually. Uh, mostly from the television uh, people, our peers, uh, because they felt that we were being irresponsible in letting folks know where they could go to catch fish. And, you know, I mean, a part of that comment makes sense. Part, when you really think about it, it makes sense. Maybe 20 years ago, maybe that made a lot more sense than it does today, because at the time that we first initiated uh, Hot Spots, not as many folks were as conservation-minded as they are today. I think today it's almost 100%. I mean, there's very few. Yeah, there's some an element out there that still doesn't quite grasp the whole notion of conservation when it comes to wildlife, but most people do. So today we feel very comfortable telling you where we're catching fish because we know that for the most part people are going to um, take responsibility of that but 20 years ago maybe that was not the case so we took a lot of heat initially from our peers saying that uh, how dare we let people in on these secrets a lot of our peers don't even tell where they're what lake they're on no back in the day they didn't tell you anything we give you a getting there to our place of uh, our lodging or, or we give a getting there to a boat launch and we give a hot spot on our show because we know people that's what people want now let me tell you something about this hot spot on each show so what we do is, you got to remember, we got at least a full day on a lake, or if not a full day, then we have two or three days on a lake. So if there was a, a boulder on the bottom of the lake and it held three fish, and it was one single boulder, we're not going to give that as a hot spot. It's not. Because it's just, a, it, and it would be pounded by, if two or three people hit it and somebody wanted to keep those fish, that's done. What we do is we take the best numbers of fish area. We take an area a flat or something like that. We know that everybody can go and enjoy catching a couple of walleye on or something like that, or a big weed bed or something, something that's very sizable so that it will handle 
some pressure. We don't want this uh, one rock to be pressured. So we take a spot that we, we say, okay, this is our best spot for, we caught, God, we caught 30 walleye in this spot. This is a great area. Let's just give a general point here and people can go and work at it. And then they, you know, they usually waypoint to their advantage and then they, they start working on that too. So that's we're, what we do. we're hoping. And I, and I know that this is the case having talked to so many folks that use our hotspots, we're hoping that these hotspots actually as opposed to just bringing you to that one single area to catch fish, we're hoping that it kind of becomes the key that unlocks yeah. your ability you to find fish. It. Because the idea is you go there, you catch a fish or two, but more importantly, you look and see what it is that is attracting these fish. And then you take that information and you replicate it on your own home lake or other bodies of water. You use it as a key every time you go fishing. And we're hoping that the hundreds of hotspots that we have available on .com right now, fishingcanon.com, will do exactly that, help you figure it out. It's just, it's it's a key. It's designed to be a key um, to catch fish on, on your body of water, any, any other body of water. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so we took a lot of heat. And uh, we we struggled through it uh, initially, and then uh, that heat started. It wasn't subsiding. just our peers; it was uh, some tackle companies and stuff like that. Oh too, yeah, right. There was it wasn't just the fishing TV guys. It was the industry. Some, That's what I said. The yeah, industry, the industry. Right? There was yeah. we got heat from for, a few big tackle companies. For thing. some reason, the industry does not want. I I know this sounds bizarre, but at the time, it's what we were saying to each other. The industry does not want you to catch fish. Is that yeah, what we're hearing? Kind of weird. Without, Which okay. is kind of bizarre be because people, hey, they, we're going to give you the spot. You got to go buy their stuff to catch the fish with it. You know, you'd think it would work that way, but it didn't seem to. It didn't seem compute. to work that way. We couldn't figure it out. The industry relies on you to go out fishing. And the more you go out fishing, the more you need products. You know, mm-hmm. this, this garment has been sitting on the screen here for, since we started this segment. These folks get it. Garmin is probably one of the best companies in the business, always has been, on their notion is the more people understand fishing, the more they get into fishing by catching fish, the the bigger the industry gets. They get it. A lot of them don't. So we were confronted with with, uh, rod and reel companies that were questioning this whole hotspot thing. And uh, we took a lot of heat for, for a few years. In fact, I mean, I dare say it, it's one of the reasons we today really are not affiliated with a lot of the industry players. It's because of hotspots. So to answer your uh, question, Andrew, yeah, uh, we took a lot of flack, but we will continue to do it because we believe that the only way that we, all of us, are going to grow this industry is to share in our knowledge, share in our experiences, share these fish with everybody. And uh, we firmly believe in that. So I don't think it's going to go away soon. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Uh, Thank you very much for that question. Awesome question. We got to, we got to, that's good. Can we predetermine it's next year's winning? I'll take a note for myself. That's a a year from now though. A asterisk on that. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be a year from now. We might want to put it in the calendar right now. I'm trying, Andrew. I'm trying. I'm trying to make this the question of the year for next year. Hang in there, buddy. There's an adventure just outside these walls. 
It's something you'll hate to leave and can't wait to get back to. It's a place where memories are made and bonds are forged. For some, it's hitting the trails. For others, it's a weekend at the lake. It's a place full of campfires and quality time. This year, take some time to reconnect with friends, family, and nature. No matter what adventures await you, Coleman has the gear you need. Visit ColemanCanada.ca to gear up today. The outside is calling. Answer the call. As the world gets louder and louder, the lessons of our natural world become harder and harder to hear. But they are still available to those who know where to listen. I'm Jerry Olette, and I was honored to serve as Ontario's Minister of Natural Resources. However, my journey into the woods didn't come from politics. Rather, it came from my time in the bush and a mushroom. In 2015, I was introduced to the birch-hungry fungus known as chaga, a tree conch, with centuries of medicinal use by indigenous peoples all over the globe. After nearly a decade of harvest, use, testimonials and research, my skepticism has faded to obsession, and I now spend my life dedicated to improving the lives of others through natural means. But that's not what the show's about. My pursuit of this strange mushroom and my passion for the outdoors has brought me to the places and around the people that are shaped by our natural world. On Outdoor Journal Radio's Under the Canopy podcast, I'm going to take you along with me to see the places, meet the people that will help you find your outdoor passion and help you live a life close to nature and under the canopy. Find Under the Canopy now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. All right. Now, <laughs> now we're going to do the main Speaking part of, of the good New stuff Year of show. the year. Yep. Yep. Uh, of so the 23 was, year, right? We're uh, reviewing our past year. Of 23. 23. Yep. Right. This, Andrew's 24, right? Right. Right on. I'm a little confused, but that's okay. A little confused. I need one of those needles you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Give me a little shot of adrenaline or something. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All right. The main segment uh, in this uh, year in review. Uh, is uh, the first thing we're going to look at is the top episodes, or maybe before we do that, maybe we, we highlight some of the episodes that we remember, uh, the podcast episodes we're talking about uh, from this past year that we really enjoyed or maybe hated or thought were kind of different, if there are any. If not, we'll move right into the... I'd have to have uh, a list to remember them. Well, and that's what I told our producer. Because he you thinks, a small list. We have 100 episodes. I can't be listing all those. That's a lot of paper. Well, it's a lot of ink in Monique's machine over there. Yeah. She might not like that. Yeah. Budget. And, but there is that too. The budget. budget the whole budget thing. Yeah. So yeah. I think we'll just discuss the uh, the top five. Sure. Yeah. How's that? That sounds good. I think that's a great <laughs> idea, Gene. That's what I have prepared. <laughs> and and, and, and these, these top five... Are based on numbers. Are, are based on what numbers? Numbers. Pop- popularity yep. numbers. So these are the most popular as voted by the audience. Yep. Not necessarily us. Not at all you. Not at all Zero us. Zero, buddy. Zero you. Wow. Zero. Zero the hero. The more I, the more I do these, uh, come in and do these shows, the more I feel at home. I'm a nobody at home. I'm a nobody here. 
It just, it's, well, it just, yeah, but they, it perpetuates itself, right? The people that did this beautiful, uh, you know, they watched us and listened to us, et cetera, et cetera. They need you to convey the message back because otherwise they'd never know about this. So this is where you come in. This is your importance right here. Is it possible that any of these episodes, uh, like, are these results tainted in any way at all? No. How could they These be are hard numbers. How could they be tainted? Do you think Dean would take well, them? The only way they could be tainted is if Dean did it. You're asking Dean if I'm he I'm not suggesting he would do anything nefarious. I'm not. Don't, don't go putting words in my mouth. I'm just asking that question. That's all. Before we move on here, wow. I just want to know that this is as pure as it can get. Yep. It's pure. Okay. So the number one episode. Yep. Numbers. The, the most uh, popular episode, <laughs> according to you, the audience. And, and and how do we know this, by the way? It's just because you, you viewed these episodes more than others. More people viewed them. More good things happened to these episodes. Listen to more than anything, right? I'm assuming Yeah, yeah this is before to. video. So oh, this is before pre, video. This is pre-YouTube. Okay. So this is all listening. This is all podcast-based listening. All right. Uh, episode number one. Here we go. Like, do I need a drum roll or anything? Do you if have I a drum had, roll? If I had one, I would use it here. You don't have one, because eh? that'd be good. Eh? Can you imagine when I say, all right, episode number one, and you I'll go... I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Yeah. That's I actually cool, replaced eh? uh, the drum roll with that, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly thing. So. Oh, you're limited in your... Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see we, see we get a, a budget. Drum roll? I can give you one. Uh, sure. Uh, episode number one, as picked by the viewers of Outdoor Journal Radio Podcast... Walleye fishing like a biologist with Paul Radomiski. That was a good one. With Paul, Paul laid a lot of Radomiski. Uh, he put a lot of knowledge out there into that one, if you remember correctly. What do you, what do you remember about that episode? It's stuff that I didn't ever realize was even. What was the like, one thing that stood out for you? That I was stupid because I didn't know that stuff. The one thing he said that stood out to me, I don't know if you guys remember, but he said that because we always had the opinion that you should keep small fish. And he said that that can actually hurt f- fisheries, that you need to take some big ones. And that was like totally counter to a lot of the stuff we had read. And I think he yeah. used some Still examples. I don't know if I believe it or not. Like it's yeah. hard to believe. It's so yeah. off the wall, right? Yeah. yeah. He said because they cannibalize each other so often that having that many, like having a population of only big ones, which is kind of what happened to Scugog, right? Oh, big it, it, I, yeah. I think so. Yeah. So yeah, was who knows? Well, obviously, Paul knows. He wrote a book on it, yeah. He wrote a book on it. You would think, you know. And by the way, it's a great read. If you're looking for a great read and you're into walleye fishing, and it, and it will definitely help your walleye fishing, but more importantly, it'll help you understand it better. That's the big thing about these yeah. guys. They, they help you just understand, like what Dean said, they're not just, you know, the why of what he said there, you know what I mean? They're cannibalizing and stuff like, like what? You know, do walleye eat walleye? And how big do these walleye eat walleye? Yeah, you learn a whole, a whole bunch of stuff, of scientific stuff out of it. And some of it you can take in, some of it you can't, but or you don't care about or it's in and out, but, but some of it you'll, you'll retain. What's the name of the book? Walleye. That's it? Yeah, then the, the subtitle is like The Beautiful Fish of the Dark. Wow, how do you remember all this crap? I have the book and I read it. Are you insinuating I didn't? And I don't. Yeah, you did. He's quite the reader, eh? Dean, I have to give him props on that one. The, the man reads a lot. And, uh, and I, I'm so opposite of that. I just don't read a lot. <laughs> you don't read any, I like don't me. Read at all. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, a great episode. You voted it as number one. 
episode 53, Walleye Fishing Like a Biologist. And uh, um, you got to go check it out if you are saying, huh, how come I didn't? Well, go check it out. Episode 53 of Outdoor Journal. Uh, the second most popular episode, according to you, the listening audience, is uh, a bit of a surprise, I think. Well, uh, you know, maybe, our last maybe. podcast, two, two podcasts ago, you just referred to this fish as the most popular fish in all of Canada now. It's, you know, it's moved into the number one position. So, you know what else is surprising about this one? This episode was not released in 2023. <laughs> it was released in 22. Oh, but it just moved up the rankings yeah. all of a sudden in 23. Yeah, it wasn't released this year. It was never new, uh, but it was consumed it, it, the second most out of everything. Wow, that's cool. So that's uh, the, the, the perpetual motion of the, the uh, good old internet yeah. in ways that we don't understand. Episode 22. Finding Summer Walleye. Was number two. Give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Was number two. You simple son of a bitch. That's right. Uh, <laughs> finding Summer Walleye, number two, according to the listening Dean, can audience. You, can you go back to the picture we just had? These are two Summer Walleye, I believe. Look at the size of these two fish. I just noticed. That was a Hawk Lake Lodge right in the middle, a Hawk in the summertime Hawk Lake Lodge. That was Lake Tomiskaming right in the middle of the summer. Did Both we, those fish are summer walleyes. Did we catch them in a school? Were they schooling fish? Because it looks like we're in a school or something. You're in a laboratory. It's a laboratory. Oh, it's a lab. Laboratory. A laboratory. It looks like we, they're schooling fish then. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this was a, I mean, these images are stunning, by the way. Thank you. And the fish don't look too bad either, <laughs> you know. But uh, uh, this was uh, this was one, not even a day. This was one, I don't know, it wasn't even an afternoon. It was from, I'm going to say from about 1030 to. Middle to of the day, middle of the summer. Middle, middle day, middle, middle of the summer. But Against every odd you, you get, right? Every odd. So. Before we, we tell you everything about this particular episode uh, and, and why we, we produced the, the Finding Summer Walleye episode, this prompted it because it was such a unique situation. This was on the Fishing Canada show, and uh, it was mid-afternoon, completely windless day. I'm talking flat, like this desktop, not a breath of wind. And we just said middle of the afternoon, not low light conditions by any means. And we caught, I'm going to say, a dozen fish like this. Yeah. that 10, 10 to 12. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got to remember, we shoot, we shoot through the middle of the day mostly because of lighting. We can't shoot like nighttime walleye shows are very difficult to shoot. So we have to go right in the middle of the day, aside from overhead lighting, that's, that's the best for us too. So we're, we're fishing the summertime straight in the middle of the wall, you know, in the and we the learned day, so. so much from this episode. Oh, God. So that's yeah. why we thought we'd, we would do a, a, an actual podcast, episode 22 called finding summer walleye. And you agreed with us that it was obviously that could even win 24. Then, because if it, it keeps rolling along, yeah. right, Dean? Yeah, it could, yeah, could. could just knock everything out again. If so. you, if you have not uh, listened to it, I really strongly suggest that you take the time and go back and uh, check it out. Episode twenty-two: Finding Summer Walleye, the second most listened to outdoor journal radio podcast mm -hmm. in history. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Mm-hmm. Number three on the fan most popular list, episode 56, Family and Fishing with Jay Siemens. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. I yeah, if, it was. I wonder if Big Jay had any influence on that. I wonder if he, if he told us peeps. You know that was I mean? also the episode, I think, when we made the commitment to go to Uncle Mark's. Yeah. That oh, was that right. Episode. Maybe, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Have we done an Uncle Mark's episode? Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, and it's this year. It, it's already been it's, a, oh, it's in like a Fish in Canada episode? No, a, a podcast. Yeah, yeah, we, that was released a few weeks ago. Okay. All right. So it hasn't had time to accumulate like no. the numbers. Yeah. No. Just checking. Right. Uh, anyways, that was number three. A great episode. Uh, 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 for those of you who are not familiar with Jay Siemens, uh, you need to make that change right away. Great uh, personality and just has a wealth of video. Uh, oh, my God. Fish catching Guys. video that's just He's on fire right now. All the yeah. ice is coming up there now. So it was all ice fishing stuff again. Yeah. He's, he lives way up north in Kenora yeah. area. Yeah. And, yeah, he's just pumping out. And it's all quality stuff. Like, I mean, the, the everything he does on video is really top-notch. So, Number four, episode 61, as voted by you, the fans and audience, uh, is Canada Wins the Classic. And who could forget that? Oh, my God. Oh my God. Uh, our good Huge. friend. Gussie, the first Canadian to ever win the Bassmaster Classic. That was, was so cool. It was totally, totally, I won't say unexpected because those that know him um, and believe in him knew that eventually he was going to crack it. But it was a surprise, a shock to the majority of the bass anglers in the U.S. Because, I mean, there's guys who've been fishing the trail for mm-hmm. decades, yeah, never, yeah. never winning never it. Classic, yeah. And here, this hotshot Canadian kid goes down there, and in a matter of I don't know four or five years, gets yeah. through it all and wins yeah. the holy grail of bass fishing, the classic. And it was an incredible it's story. The perfect scenario for him. He was the favorite going into that tournament. To that tournament. So yeah. that that was a it was a good. And he pulled it off, and he just barely pulled it off. Like mm-hmm. a, he did a last minute catch, right? That one last fish he caught, mm-hmm. and it put him over the edge to get him about I think it was three hundred thousand American dollars and the classic trophy. Whew. Anyways, we uh, we had him on the show. It was episode sixty one, and you folks obviously liked it because it did extremely well. And finally, the fifth most viewed episode last year. Episode 85. Wow, you got something happening over there. It's not a drum roll anymore. You <laughs> no, got a whole, no, it's a whole metal concert now yeah. I got going on there. <laughs> episode 85, Can Fish Feel Your Sonar? This arguably was my favorite episode of the year. My, I, I think I had a few, but I think this might this is yeah, a good very one, top. for sure. Yeah. This Where was a really good, fun one, for sure. We uh, we were with good friend Ryan Flero on the show, and we talked about that very subject. Oh, his uh, ego is going to roll right through the roof now after he's he in the top five. five. Oh, wow. He's going to be just uh, unbearable. For right behind next. Gussie and Jay oh, Siemens. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's like, he's, oh, my God. He's a hero now. Oh, look out. Look out. Uh, well, I did refer to him as a legend in a recent uh, Fish in oh, Canada geez. script I read. Yes. All yes. right. So he'll be uh, thrilled about that. Yeah. Uh, can fish feel your sonar? It was a good. It was a good one. It's a great episode, and I think more and more as we move on, uh, we're going to find that that question is going to be asked because of experiences that people are now going through with uh, this high tech technology that's available to us today. Um, 
I think the, the although the jury may still be out on a final answer on that, but I think we're going to learn more in 24 and certainly by 25. Oh, I think that. so too. I think so too. All right. Now, those were the ones that you deemed to be the best. Those those are the top five. Um, but the biggest ODJ story now of 23. Stories as in how are we depicting So this we broke category? most of these because a lot of the stories we cover, we don't break. We just talk about them. So these are either stories that we broke or we had like an exclusive with the person who broke it. So we normally just steal stuff? Is that what you're saying? We uh we pirate stuff and just we repurpose. Oh, we repurpose. Yes, these were not repurposed. These we were not actually, repurposed. No. So maybe other people repurpose these. I'm sure they their, did. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm just checking. And Hopefully, then, right? That's flattery yeah. right there. Yeah. If they do it. So and then so we'll go through these and then you tell us which one stood out most for you, which one you liked the most. So there's six of them here, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So these are according to who? These are the biggest stories. These were I, I pulled from traction, like how much. Um, like sharing and stuff okay. these stories got. So yeah. All right. Very good. So number one uh, story, that uh, biggest ODJ story of the year for 23, number one was Bear Grills, Man versus Wild, was a fake. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Talk one. about that one. Yeah, Les Stroud, come on. <laughs> Episode 71 with Les Stroud. Les Stroud came on. And uh, yeah, he just, uh, he just, how how did he discover that? What was it? He was talking to somebody. How did he? He said his so he said his producer. So he had a producer right. who worked for him who came to him and said, "Hey, we need more episodes." And he said, "Well, it's impossible the way I do it." And he said, "No, like we're going to pretend to right. do it." That's what. Right. And then he said no, and then all of a sudden, Man vs. Wild popped up with with that producer. Right. So that's so, how it. So that's how it came about. Yeah. Came about. So they, and so, Les just said, "No, I'm sticking to my guns. I do the way I do it. I go out there by myself, and I put some cameras around, and and that's the way it is. No fake." I might insert like that. that clip right here, actually. Yeah. So you should. Yeah. It's probably yeah. a great idea. Really good idea. Very good idea. You've mentioned a couple of times now, and uh, we can't just uh, gloss over it and walk away from it. I have to ask you, you know, you mentioned the copycat shows a couple of times. Obviously, there's some resentment there. Um, talk to us about that. Why, why do you think that uh, somebody else looking at what you're doing and saying, hey, you know what, that Les is doing a really good job, but I think there's a better way to do it. Why do you resent that so much? Or am I, I wrong in not, that too? No, it's not resentment, but, but you, you need the history. You need the proper history of it because it's not, that's not what anybody said. Okay. What started was this guy's got a hit show and we smell money. That's the way it started. How did it start? It started with Jane Root and Jeff Hasler of the Discovery Channel, the heads of the network, whining and dining me for a year, asking me to do what? Give them more episodes, 26 episodes a season. Of course. I can't do that, guys. You know, it, it, I would kill myself doing that. Mm -hmm. Less. You don't need to do it for real. Just uh, stay in the hotels, have a crew build your shelter for a year. <laughs> yeah, I, I said, no. I so they basically, they wanted me to cheat the show. Right. And I said, I'm not going to cheat the show. And eventually they said, okay, screw him. Call Bear Grylls. And then, and then the thing is what people forget is for two years, 
they did try to portray Bear as actually doing it. And he was not. Later, it was like all these disclaimers. Oh, no, we didn't really mean. No, we always had a crew, you know, these things. Because it was a bullshit. <laughs> because in the beginning, they absolutely tried to make it look like he was absolutely doing it. To the point where he at one point was being filmed by a guy with a shoulder mount camera. And he holds the lens like, oh, you know, I'm walking through the bush now. I love you it. Know? It was all stage. He never drank his own pee. He drank apple juice. He didn't eat a rattlesnake in Belize. It was Kentucky fried chicken for real. I know all the producers. I know the behind the scenes. So when you hear that thing in me, it's not resentment. It's more a matter of, you know, they, they sullied and ruined what was, what, what was came from a place of purity of loving survival skills and loving filmmaking. And other than that, I mean, Hey, you know what? He's an amazing athlete. He's great for the kids and adventuring. Godspeed to him that way. But the first two years of everything he did and were total lies. And here's the catch for him. He can't actually ever let up that lie. He has to live that out because he right. never did come out and say. So even to his own right. son, Marmot, yeah. who's going to be 22 one day and go, Dad, why is this all this bad crap about you on being a fake He's going to have to lie to Marmaduke, you know, <laughs> his own son and say, otherwise is, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, no, no, I was a fraud for two years. Yeah. And then I had my own show running with Bear Grylls and where, <laughs> oh, now the, the crew's a big part of it. Oh, me mates in the crew, you know, we go through so much. Last thing I'll leave on this, you know, to just to, to slam him home a little bit more um, is to say that um, in Australia, he does a, he does this, this meet, this big thing in the stadium and, and he's eating maggots for the audience. It's really stupid. And a kid asks him, What's it like to sleep in a sheeping bag because he slept inside a sheep? You watch him answer or watch him answer David Letterman. He doesn't answer. He's a perfect politician. Why not? Because he didn't actually do it. He shot a scene and then went back to the hotel. So he doesn't answer this 12-year-old boy, honestly, because he can't. He'd have to say, well, you know, what's it like? I don't really know. It was a half an hour scene, you know, sort of thing. Now, all the shows after that, let me finish by this. All the shows after that, Staged, faked setup, man versus uh, wild, man, uh, dual survival, man, woman, wild, um, naked and afraid, except for, and I know the people on alone who might see this are going to go, oh, you're going to the people on alone misinterpreted because I, unfortunately I lumped them with naked and afraid and I apologize for that. I didn't mean to. People on alone are truly going through it. Uh-oh. They are. Wow. Got a bad connection here. That's unfortunate. Right in the, right in the, oh. in the meat of the show. <laughs> Any idea, Dino? Uh, my, back. my back, I'm back. Yeah, it sounds like you're back, buddy. Okay. Can you- I was catching up. I was saying that 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 on alone, um, the problem I have with alone is not the people. They're excellent people really going through it, really doing it. Uh, it's that the producers take it all back to Los Angeles or LA, wherever they are, and then they concoct stories and they omit beautiful scenes or they omit right. the, they want them to look like they're suffering more. Now you ask the people that say, Oh, it was such a wonderful opportunity. In some cases I could criticize and say it's because now their, their survival classes are filled. I was on alone, come and take my survival class. But I, again, I kudos to the look at the head instructor for alone told me that boot camp consists of them watching survivor man for a week. Yeah, <laughs> so perfect. I love it. Uh, the you back. So, uh, you know, the way you position the question, I'll, I'll close in saying this. Resentment, no. Now, very proud. Look, the braggadocio side of this is I can say Survivor Man spearheaded an entire survival genre industry. Yeah. You know, uh, and, no and I'm very proud of that. 
but am I do, you know, will there ever be like a peace made between me and Bear? Why? He's an actor. Right. He's, he's not even a survival guy. He used to walk around that set going, I hate this survival shit. I loved the survival <laughs> shit. Total different story. <laughs> I yeah. love How's it. How's that, that answer for you? Go we can go, give me a beer and we'll talk for the next two hours. Right. Right. Sounds like it. Fantastic. All right. Uh, which number was, which two. was quite stunning, by the way, when we heard oh. it. I was like, what? No way. <laughs> Good for you, right? So, anyways. Uh, number two. Numero due. Uh, biggest ODJ story of 2023. Uh, number two was Gussie wins the classic. Yes. As we just discussed. Absolutely. <laughs> Got to be a big story. That's in, episode in the 61. There he is right there. Hello, Gussie. Uh, number three, this one was a shock more than anything else, and that's probably why it was so popular. Uh, grass carp found in Bay of Quinty. Yeah, that got you and I for sure on that one. You know, Episode 76. So 75. 75. Well, I was just anticipating it. Maybe a, a two-part bit. episode. A two-parter. Sometimes we Sometimes do two-parters. Every now and then. Yeah, every now and then. Yeah, every now that. and then. <laughs> uh, grass carp found in Bay of Quinty, because we had been talking for a year Prior to that, I got a lot right? that we need to be vigilant. We need to make sure they don't get past the the locked door uh, into <laughs> yeah. Canada. And uh, boy, all of a sudden, boom, that ship had sailed. Yeah, when they found this uh, episode seventy five, number four, biggest stories of twenty three. This is a good one. This, this one, is, this uh, a, I was you brought I, this I, all I, brought, on. I discovered this, and I was shocked. And then, as it turns out. I was wrong. So, yeah. So, uh, episode four is a treble hook is a single hook. Little confusing. Like saying, what the hell does that mean, Angelo? That was episode 84. So, what happened? I was uh, on the internet checking out some fishing stuff, and this guy was standing in front of a tree that had a sign on it right here somewhere. And that sign said, um, uh, no fishing except, and it had, it was an Ontario based, no fishing sign. This was a sanctuary, but you could fish it if you met certain criteria. And the top criteria was, um, single barbless hooks only. And this guy standing under the tree, the video starts, and the guy standing under the tree, you know, saying that when you see signs like this, he's make a sure. guide too, right? He was and a he's a guide. guide. He's 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 teaching a young lady uh, on the do's and don'ts of fishing in uh, waters that have restrictions on them. So he, first thing he said is, "Now, <clears throat> I want to dispel something. A lot of people think that a single barbless hook." is just what it sounds. But in fact, and they picked up one of those MEP spinners. That right there. Had that has on. a treble hook on it, one of those hooks. And he says, in fact, and he took out a pair of pliers and he pinched back all of the barbs on that treble hook. And he says, in fact, this qualifies as a single barbless hook. And I was in shock. I'm thinking, holy mackerel, this is going to go viral. I mean, let's be honest about it. He's trying to teach somebody 
the do's and don'ts of regulated fishing. And right off the bat, point number one, he screws the whole thing up by saying a treble hook is a single hook. <laughs> you were ready so, to crucify him right I, there, right? That was I, it. You're up. You're done, buddy. <laughs> I told Pete about it. I said, we got to do something. And we talked with Dean and we said, well, yeah, we got to do something about this. So <clears throat> we were just going to write a big, uh, big story on it and, and do an expose of some kind. But before we did that, we thought we'd better check with, with uh, Ministry of Natural Resources, just to make sure. And maybe we better make them aware of the fact that this video is up on the internet, misleading all of you folks. So we did. And they said, yeah, he's correct. He's right. He's right. What do you mean he's right? That's not a single hook, it's a treble hook. No. In this jurisdiction, in the province of Ontario, by the way, the only province in the country, the only province in the country that has this still in the books, a treble hook is considered a hook. The fact that it has three leading edges, apparently, doesn't matter. It's a single hook. So in the province of Ontario, yes, a treble hook is considered a single hook. So wherever they say a single barbless hook only, Get the old treble out. Stick That's it insane. on there. And, and according to the, if you read the actual uh, ruling on that, even if it had five points, five leading edges, it's still a single hook. Duh. The only jurisdiction in the country that still considers a treble hook a single hook. The rest of the nation, their single hook is what it should be. A single point on a hook. That's it. One hook. One hook. Anyways, that was episode. So that picture right there. You squeeze the barbs, and those are watching YouTube, you squeeze those three barbs. That's a single hook. Right? How many how oh many baits God. have we transformed? Oh my God. And took those off. Those are classic examples. There's probably top waters or rattle baits or something like that. Take that off. We'll put a single siwash on there. One hook siwash. I can't call it a single, I guess. You call it this one thing with one hook on one barb and you squeeze that barb and now you got one point. And there we're good, Ange. Now we're going fishing. Meanwhile, we screwed up. <laughs> We, we lost so many fish because of that. What a bunch of dummies. Well, no, we weren't dummies. No, The dummies right now, uh, and I hate to say this because I don't like jumping on any government agency, but M&R in the province of Ontario, somebody you need has to. Change that. to yeah. You can't be proud of that, yeah, as, as our no, good friend Jimmy would say. You yeah. can't be proud of that. you yeah. got to change that ruling. A single hook is a single hook, and there's a reason there's a reason why jurisdictions want you to go to a single hook in those restricted areas because it facilitates a much smoother release. It's one point, doesn't have a barb on it. You just flip it over and the fish falls off. Well, when you have one of those babies that's on the screen, barbless or not, there's more than one point that's caught in the generally in the fish's face and or mouth. And it just makes it very difficult to release that fish. So please change it. Somebody, somebody has to have a, a head there and say, hey, guys, he's right. Let's just change. Does this. that got to go right to the top dog? Does that have to go to the minister of natural resources and forestry? To, to Unfortunately get not. You know, here's yeah. something else, too. And I know we're getting off topic here, but I just want to dispel something right away. Right away. Because we've been involved in trying to get things changed 
uh, at the highest levels of government, things that we think are just simple. Well, like the one that we just talked about, this treble hook. I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer. First of all, you're the only jurisdiction left probably on, in North America that considers that right there a single hook. So that in, a, in itself should be a no-brainer. But, but if, you're, if you're going to single hooks because you want to protect wildlife, well, come on, get with the program. So that would be a, a no-brainer. So you would think that the change should be, boom, yep. instant. Yeah. You go to your politician local politician uh, and and start the ball rolling and then he should be he or she should be able to I mean it to me it should be as simple as picking up the phone calling the top level bureaucrat at MNR and saying hey Bill or Mary um, I think this is an oversight that we need to get corrected because it doesn't make any sense so why don't we just get your people together there in a room and and, and get it fixed up you would think like in a week, Done. Easy peasy. It will take years. I guarantee you it will take years to get that rectified. If they want to do it. They might not even want to do it. If they want to do it. Because what happens is the politician generally uh, leads the charge because the politician. See, here's here's the deal. Just so that we all understand it. The politician needs you to vote for him in order for him to have a job. So... When the politician gets pressure from you, he gets right to the top of the hill and waves the flag for you because he knows that if he gets this done, whether, whether he or she agrees with you or not, it's a matter of votes. That's how they keep their job. So they'll go to bat for you right away. But unfortunately, the people who actually make those changes, who actually have the power to change something like as silly as that not being a single hook, they're bureaucrats. And you have no say on their job whatsoever. And so what happens is that they lock horns. You got the politician, and as soon as the politician, by the way, bureaucrats and politicians, uh, they don't get along too good. It's like cats and dogs. (laughs) So if a bureaucrat presents a scenario like, hey guys, like, what are you thinking here? That's not a single hook. Automatically, the bureaucrat locks in the, the in that mode and says, oh, yeah, I'll show you what I know about treble hooks. And then it makes it worse. So that's what we're faced when yeah. we, that, that, that carp rod ruling that the we uh, championed yeah. for years. Yeah. It took us five, six years yeah. to get that through. Something yeah. that was a no-brainer, like it was an absolute no-brainer took six years and the minister was on your side for that right well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yes. totally on our side for it still took that long so that says but, a lot but, but he's a politician yeah and that's what i mean the unfortunate part is that the bureaucrats make all of those decisions all the politician can do is point it out to them wow. and suggest and here's the thinking and I, I listen if you're out there and you're one of these bureaucrats i'm talking about please let me know that i'm wrong all right. If I'm if I'm wrong in this, you let us know and we'll put it on the show. OK, but the bureaucrats are not dependent on the politician for their job. In fact, the politician cannot remove them from their position, does not have the power to. Interesting. So there in lies our system. It has a fault. Yeah. Right. The politician, uh, he wants your vote, so he's going to do everything he can. To, to, to make sure that you say, hey, it was that good 
friendly politician of mine that got this thing through. Mm-hmm. But anyways, <laughs> that's uh, way, way too long on number four. Number five. Small baits for big musky. Yes. Episode 54 by Gordy Pizer, with Gordy Pizer. I shouldn't say yeah. by Gordy Pizer. Yeah. With Gordy Pizer. Gordy opened our eyes up. We went on a trip. Uh, him and Liam went on a trip. Eagle Lake, I think it was. Yes. And they were playing around with their usual musky giant baits and all that. And then he talked to a couple of European European anglers that were there. And they were and Gordon and Liam were having a hard time. I believe they said they were having a hard time getting fish. And the uh, European guys, oh, my God, we had a great day. We got muskie. <laughs> we got pike. We got everything. And Gordon says, what are you doing? And he showed him these little wee half or a third size of the baits that normally are used by muskie anglers. And Gordon says, no way. Are you kidding me? And then that was it right there. That The ball, the wheels started turning for Gordy right then and there. Two right? things, size and uh, the action. And action. They, went, they were going erratic and exactly. crazy and, and nuts on it versus just a steady, you know what I mean? So. And, and, and what Gord pointed out was really cool. That's episode 54, by the way. You got to, you got, regardless of whether you're into muskie or not, you got to go to that episode if you have not, um, if you have not already done so. Um, what Gord said was really interesting because he said these guys were were imparting erratic action to their baits the whole time. They would right. throw it out and then they would start doing all kinds of wacky stuff and catching fish. And, and he said, and yet we're astounded when we do the figure eight at a boat. So the fish will, the muskie generally will follow you to the boat. When you're retrieving that bait in a straight line, like we all have been forever, They'll follow you to the boat, and then we're told that if you do an erratic figure eight at the side of the boat on the end of every cast, chances are you're going to catch a fish. Well, then, okay, if that's the case, why not do erratic the whole time that it's out in the water? Figure eight that bait back all the way. <laughs> and, that's what, and that's what was amazing about this discovery. So it's it's an, a great episode. Um, it is good. Very eye-opening. Episode 54. Number six on our list of biggest ODJ stories of 2023. Moving musky are not feeding musky. Wow. Episode 67 by uh, Dr. Corey Susky. Um, was, you know, we just talked about that on a podcast the other day, too, about moving walleye. When yeah. they're all migrating and moving and hanging on the bottom, yeah. and you can't get them go sometimes. You no. know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe it's a... A migration thing on that? I, I can't yeah. remember. What did he say? There was something about it. There was a point in there about why they he were said, moving. Uh, well, he said that big muskie won't travel far to eat. So essentially the ones that you are catching, you put it like right on their head. But right. but, but they're not out cruising to eat. They're normally hidden. Um, ambush. In, ambush. Yeah, exactly. Ambush predators. Yeah. Which is, which I think, and I might have mentioned it in that podcast, which is kind of crazy because there's the odd fish that can't, because I was on Eagle Lake one time, neither of you guys were there, not in Orvova. It was an early shoot. And uh, the head guide there said that a, a muskie, a female muskie that they had tagged, traveled something like 18 kilometers one way a day to feed. Wow. It wow. went there to feed and then came back. Wow. Every day. How freaky is that? See, so, okay, my first thing to Maybe it's an anomaly, right? That might be just a uh, weird I mean, fish, I, I, idea, whatever. I'm not know. doubting any of this, but my biggest question would be, why would the fish move from prime feeding areas? Why right. Why do you want to live 18 miles away? It's not right. like you got to buy that house right. and you, you have no option because it's the only one you could afford. And yet, like... The fish could literally sit Absolutely. right next to the feeding area. Absolutely. I think. You'd think so. I would think wow. so. 
That's but that fish decided yeah. that its home territory was different than its feeding territory. And it's wow. built up a Do you think a maybe they get pushed out and stuff like you see like in Africa with lions and stuff like that? Like maybe they get pushed out. Is anything yeah, like, like that? Could be. Maybe there's a hierarchy with muskies, like a big predator species yeah. like that, maybe. Something that not, not too many people are obviously talking about. It happens in smaller, like largemouth bass, for yeah. sure. It ha- with smallmouth bass, it happens for sure. Mm-hmm. You get a group of four, you know, five and six pounders, and there's no three pounders in that group, right? Yeah. They just get out. Either yeah. they're afraid of them or, or they're not letting them in. Who knows? So that could be it. Maybe with muskies, it might be, a, you know, more of a single fish thing. Maybe one fifty pounder says nobody else is coming around my feeding area or living mm-hmm. in my feeding area. You can come in here and snap one off and steal one maybe, but yeah. You know. Ah, okay. All right. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just or there's also, shit out there. There's also the other thing. We know uh, from studies that muskie do have several feeding areas, um, a milk run, mm-hmm. if you will. Yep. And so they will move from, from number one to two to three to four to five feeding areas over the course of a day. Mm-hmm. So. So that would make sense too, because by the time they're finished their milk run, this in this particular case, he's 18, he or she is 18 kilometers away from that f- start of the milk run. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah. that makes sense too. He said that yeah. was a she, by the way. That fish he was did a say she. was a she. Not that it really matters. It was a fascinating um, gentleman, Dr. Corey Susky, episode 67. Uh, moving musky or not feeding. If you're into musky fishing, you have got to go and check that one out. So those were our top six stories of 2023, right? Yeah. Now, the biggest, the biggest, biggest trends in fishing. Did you have? Do you have a favorite? Dean wanted to see if you had a favorite oh. in that. In that. Oh, uh, am I going too fast for you guys? No, no. He just said he mentioned at the top of the sh- uh, this part of the segment that I wonder if you guys would have a favorite. So <laughs> I do. I don't want you to the treble hook him. thing was mine for sure. Which, Which one? one? The treble hook one. That was crazy to me. I've been not using maps. I remember somebody I went to the <laughs> river with, with us. one time pulled out a crankbait, and I was like, no, you cannot fish that. you got to take those nope. hooks off. Yep. He was right. I was wrong. He was right, and you were wrong. Yeah. So, that, yeah, that's pretty crazy. I've seen the point where I – you remember how the maps used to be so hard to take the treble off? Oh, I just break God. the two hooks off. You yeah. keep a single. Break how many, how many have we cut off? Cut literally. Ruin them. <laughs> Uh, my favorite, for sure, without a doubt, the story, just as a story, was Gussie winning the Classic. I think as a Canadian, to finally win, it's like Canada-Russia hockey back in the day. It's like, to me, I watched that whole event, and, uh, and when Gussie got that last fish, I was just on my feet. And, and, and I was just, so to me, that, that story is the, is the epitome of them all for me. I was shocked when Les, when Les uh, said all those disparaging comments about uh, Bear. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, 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 as it was unfolding, I'm thinking, "Wow, like, it, like, is this guy giving any thought to what he's saying?" Here and the, the best part about that was, I don't think you asked him. No, he no, he, he wanted to it. come say, yeah. It. "Yeah, yeah." He wanted yeah. to say, he didn't it. like what was going on out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, sure. I, I think what I prompted him with was was you know a lot of people think that yeah. that what you do is not real. Yeah. And that's what prompted him to say, well, huh, you yeah. want to see not real. I'll tell you what's not real. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted me to be not real. Yeah. Anyways, this is a fascinating uh, interview. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, episode 71 with Les Stroud was great. So I'm, I'm not, uh, you're with Gussie Wins the Classic, episode 61, and you are episode 84, a treble hook is a single hook. Yeah. Good. There cool. you go. 
all different. Uh, biggest trends in the fishing industry for 2023. Man, God, there's been a ton of them. But um, so what we've taken here is what, Dean, the top, do we know even? Uh, these are just top some three. of the, yeah, yeah, top three. Top three biggest trends in the fishing industry. And I'll just quickly list them off and we'll talk about them. Um, I, I, it was back in April of uh, 23 that a story broke and it went, you know, throughout the fishing industry. And that was the possible banning of forward facing sonar in tournaments. Banning. And at that time, we were just high fiving ourselves with the, with this wonderful technology and how, you know, this is the best uh, fortunate we were and, to have it and yeah. how it was going to become the trend and the the only way to fish in the future and then all of a sudden the story breaks that a a musky tournament uh in the u.s yeah, was looking at banning forward-facing sonar because they deemed it to be um unfair 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 to whatever i mean to whomever to the fish to the people who are which are the competitors who knows right yep but wow anyways we, that that was uh, that was huge that was, at, well, it still is huge. It seems right? to be it's all over now. the news now. Like people oh, talk that's about all it all, is. Because there's some pro anglers. Pete, who's the older guy, the old tournament angler, who's like, he's like super against it. He posts every day. Oh, uh, Randy Blockett? Yeah. Oh he's my God. huge. He's really so, trying to, to get so it. So here's a good one for you, you boys. It's a, a personal story. Again, I'm going to bring my buddy Mikey Burris into it. So Mike was watching, Randy Blockett has a, a YouTube channel, and I used to watch him. It was, it's, it's, He's got like, he didn't put any effort into the set. He's not like this beautiful look we got, whatever. But so long story, he started, he, he started getting into a whiny mode more than he did a teaching mode. Like he's doing that. And, and this forward facing sonar thing, as Dean said, so he's even heard about it. So Mike was watching, just inadvertently got onto him and, and he started watching him one night and he was doing his rant and rave about forward facing sonar. And Mike's wife just walking by inadvertently heard him. And he goes, Who's that whiny son of a bitch talking on there? <laughs> she like she picked it up. She didn't even know what was going on because he was whining and complaining so much. So, um, and what's he whining and complaining about? It's not fair. Just they, it's not fair. yeah, it's just not fair. I, I haven't listened to him since that uh, before that even. But but apparently he's gotten this big. I don't know if it's not fair to the fish, if it's not fair to the competitors, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, anyways, he's got a, he's just got this big thing about uh, how unfair it is. It's not, it should be banned. In my opinion, it, it, this should have nothing to do with fair, not fair, or anything else. It, it, however, what we talked about earlier on in the program regarding uh, crappy fishing and using forward-facing sonar and the study that's being conducted that if they caught fish beyond a certain depth, then it became impossible to release it back I think that's where we need to kind of keep an eye on things. It's up to the angler. You have to have some responsibility. There's some, yeah, ethics involved, ethics. right? If you're exactly. an ethical angler, then you police and monitor that technology yourself. If you're, because this technology will allow you to fish, fish that you didn't even know existed. So mm. you have to be ethical about it. If there is a school of fish in 40 feet of water, you can't go smack on them. I mean, you just can't. Ethically, you now know, we know as anglers that, that barotrauma is a major killer of fish. And therefore, 
and 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 you we have a pretty good idea of what those depths are in my opinion no fish should be caught beyond 30 feet period you know if we have a self-imposed rule but now we're finding out that maybe 28 feet mm-hmm. might be mm-hmm. Uh, as well so so we're going to refine we're going to fine-tune that but it's at a certain point as responsible ethical anglers we need to say okay you know what yeah i've got all this wonderful technology and yes it's going to show me all of this wonderful stuff i never knew existed but i'm going to use it where it's safe to release those fish i think that's what it's going to have to come down i got a question for you two guys so if (laughs) I think I know your answers. Let's say you could go out to the to Walmart and buy a nice little live scope kit for two hundred bucks. The whole deal for two hundred bucks instead of the price that it is right now because it's expensive. Yeah, you think it'd be a lot more popular? I think you think I think all these every whiners, single boat, every boat would have it. Everybody yeah. that's whining and bitching about it right now would have it on their boat. I mm-hmm. think. What are you right? saying? I'm just saying because it's unaffordable, it's unattainable to a lot of people. I can't afford well, that. Well, no, you're, you're, you know, your example you brought up, that, that pro angler guy that's bitching right. and complaining, right. yeah, he can afford it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, he can afford it. Right? But, so, but, but he can't compete because I think, because how old is he, Pete? He's not a tournament angler anymore. I don't know how old he is. What are you saying, that, that uh, age has something to do with competing? No, but I'm saying <laughs> he's... No, I'm just want, I, I, that's what I heard. Here yeah. we go. That's, did you hear that? <laughs> well, it's just saying, is that what he said? You can't compete. No, dude. I mean, if he's been out of the game for a while and he's not adapting to the ah. tech, then he's behind. And of course, you'd be mad that you're behind all these guys who know what they're doing. I think that's mo- that, that's the impression I get. That the people who don't want to adapt yeah, are just point. saying, you point. know what, it's not fair. I don't want to adapt. Speaking of which, I'll go a little bit more into this wormhole right now. The the, the average shithole. age the average age of elite, let's say anglers, yes. is just going whoosh, on the graph. It's oh, going yeah. way yeah. down. Yeah. It's in it's in the early thirties, I think now, where it used to be like the Rick Cluns and all that. You know, the the older you were, the better you were. Not anymore, man. The old boys are getting their arses kicked. It's unreal how, how that trend is going. There's, and I saw it's a couple because of, on it. of this. It's huge. Young because guys are onto that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's all. So the old guys like us have to get onto it if we want to stay and compete. But, you but, but we get, don't get have. You know, there is such a difference between us trying to embrace and adapt to this versus a kid who was. He was nursed on this stuff. He was suckling breast milk w- with this stuff in it already. <laughs> right? So they have an advantage. Let's be honest about yeah. it. They have an advantage because to them, there is no learning process for them. They, they can get on one of these screens yeah. and just start pushing the stuff, and, yeah. and they, they just inherently understand it. We don't. We have to break that barrier first and grasp the concept. Which is kind of fun, though. I like learning. I like it, it, too, but, but like you have to understand it's a, a disadvantage for sure. Yeah. So that's why I can see that. And, and listen, fishing today, tournament fishing today is all about this. If, if you're not onto this, you're not even like, like you're not even relevant in the fishing game. So that's why the age group is dropping because mm-hmm. they... They don't just they understand it. it they don't just, just understand it. it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's in their DNA. Right? You, you're, so. I don't 100% agree with your, your, your 
statement though, because the shallow, there's a lot of still those, when they get those tournaments in the U S that are in that shallow brush and all that stuff, uh, they don't even have that, their electronics on. And there are tournaments that are still one with that. Okeechobee under the, the so what is it then? Why is like the that. age dropping? Well, it may, on the average, I don't know. But I'm just saying, uh, when you come to the forward facing, there are still a lot of tournaments won without that. I think it's got to be tournaments, no, no, too, tournaments. that if you're younger, you can afford not like to be on the road all the time. You don't have a family. You don't have a whole lot of responsibility. Because you have yeah, to just be on the wise, road. Time-wise, you can, but you don't know. Monetarily, you might not. Yeah. You can't afford it. Right. So, you know I mean? so in your opinion, why is that age dropping? Why uh, Why is it more difficult for Well, it might guys? be, because I'm just saying, I'm, you're just saying you can't compete. You can't. Uh, but as per event, you can. Over the course Certain of events, a year. Over, over the course of a year, an angler of the year, yeah, you can't compete probably. You can't. You're right. right. But you can still win an event without doing that stuff. Shallow water stuff. You still can do that. So as a, but you know, out of it's, nine it's events, you minor. can win one or two. Yeah, it's, it's minor. It's a number. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's minor. And that's why the age group is dropping. It's not because, you know, they can cast better or they can set a hook better or they can decide on what lure to pick better or they can. In fact, I'd say all of those things, a young kid is, is at a disadvantage mm-hmm. because he doesn't have the experience. Yeah. Physically, they're better off like a, a 23 year old against Rick Clun. I think physicality is going to mean it's going to be something there. Too, Being able sure. to endure yeah. the whole the big tournament, waves, the whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever, like all yeah. that kind of, there's all kinds of factors, but anyways, it's just a, Interesting. you got down that wormhole a little bit. Uh, no, deep, I think, good. I think it's all about this personally, mm-hmm. but anyways, we won't uh, go any farther. What yeah. do you think? Let us know. What do you think? That's probably a good question to ask right would now. Would you like to have, if you're watching YouTube, would you like to have that? On your screen right now, on your fish finder screen. Because <laughs> I'll tell you, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Even just watching it. And I don't, oh, we don't oh. catch, like we always say on the show, we don't catch hard, uh, one small percentage of them. But that is so cool watching that. Seeing that tree, seeing those fish relate to that tree, seeing the bait over here, that little, oh, it's just, it's so much fun. Uh, what I get off so on cool. is when they decide to feed. Oh. That to me is such best. a magic moment. You're watching, watching it on TV. Watching a scene <laughs> where you got a ball of, you know, a bait that's just, and you can see the bait is kind of relaxed. It's kind of, you know, doing its own thing. It's, it's meandering around, staying tight, but, but you can see that there's no real threat. They're, they're, they're they look comfortable. And down below are a a school of predator fish that are doing the same thing. They just kind of meandering around. They're not really doing anything they're kind of just you know hanging in there and and the whole environment is nice and comfortable for everybody and 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 we're watching this just like we're watching a a movie national geographic exactly national exactly and then all of a sudden something happens something now we can't see all the tiny little details but it might be it might be as simple as one of those bait fish falls out of the pattern somehow you know a different movement than the rest of the school maybe falls out of the ball maybe and we can't see one falling out of the ball but something triggers the predators to say it's on (laughs) and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose and this ball of bait looks like the a july fireworks it's yeah. just it's insane what happens it's a good explanation that's a it's, good way it's of just describing a, it. an explosion on the screen of of living organisms just going in all different <laughs> directions and and just as soon as it happens it stops 
And everything goes back to that nice, relaxed little mode where everybody's chilling mm -hmm. and we're okay. And, you know, it's not that much different than the experience you and I had in Africa in uh, that when we were following that pride of lions around as they would. They yeah. would uh, it's funny how nature works, right? Because it's almost like they they see each other, predator and prey are in close proximity. They know they're there, but for the most part, it's okay. Everything's cool. Chill. Everybody's chill. Everybody's chill. You know, they're just, the, the, the gazelles are feeding and grazing and the young ones are frolicking and like everything is just wonderful. Meanwhile, they're surrounded by nine or 10 or 12 lionesses that are just laying down, having a good time, watching the whole thing unfold. And then all of a sudden it just, it's nuts. Dinner bell. It's, the it's dinner, dinner bell, bell rings. It's like the dinner bell. Well, this technology allows us to see that underwater and it's phenomenal yeah we spend probably more time now do watching this than we do fishing but we learn so much from it and i think oh, that's a, it's a huge learning tool that's what i love most about most about live scope is that the learning tool oh it's and 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 we got years ahead i'm making a prediction well i won't do it now i'll do it before we sign off today oh right. uh so uh biggest trends in fishing for 23 we just talked about forward-facing sonar possibly um being banned which it didn't thank god uh number two on the list peter was interesting yeah moping so when, it's going back to gussie's win in the classic um up in especially the kenora lake of the woods more than anywhere um there's a technique, it's called moping, that the, uh, the tournament anglers have been doing forever for smallmouth bass. And that is basically just dropping a jig straight in front of a smallmouth's face and just waiting for him to bite. So just drop it right down in 30 feet of water. He's down 8 feet. You drop it down 7 feet, put it right over his head, and just hold that thing there and just mop it or mope it right in front of his head. They call it Demiki rigging too. Um, and these fish are, are hitting it, and it's been... They tried to keep it a secret as long as they could. The Lindners were in on it. There was some locals up there that were or that were on it, including Gussie, obviously. And uh, it's won them a lot of money and a lot. Of money. But when it broke up there, it's like you got to imagine they're using a, a plastic bait. They're just using a straight plastic on a jig head and dropping it straight down, or casting it out. Now they're casting it out with forward viewing. It's easier. Before they used to do it with a traditional screen. Just drop it straight down on that little mark, and all of a sudden that thing comes up. You lift it up a little more, like ice fishing. Boop. He bites it and you go, oh my God, there's a four pound smallmouth right under the boat, like six feet down, eight so feet down. is live scope responsible for that? No, no. no. They, this is well before live scope. This was all on traditional back in the day. So just like your ice fishing, that's why it was done below the boat back in the day. Now with live scope, now you can, you can do it forward. pick them off. Now you go to, and you know, what they're doing now is they're casting out to it. And they're reeling it. This you just watch your bait come down, and then you're just keeping it above their head, just reeling it past them above their heads. And then you know, because I know one instance I fished this year where I knew I should have brought the stuff for it. I didn't have it for it. I had suspended smallmouth, and they were following my bait down. They were way up. They were following my bait down to the bottom, but they would not touch drop shot jigs, Ned rigs, tubes. They wouldn't touch it on the bottom. I said if I'd have done that, you know, dragging across in front above their, above their heads, I bet you would have caught them. I didn't have the stuff with me. So, but that's it's a great technique. It's it's kind of unheard of, um, and it's with a straight plastic, like you know what I mean, like a straight fluke style plastic bait on a jig head. Has to be horizontal. It can't be tail heavy can't be hanging like that it has to be horizontal to make it look realistic but it's a it's a cool technique it's a really neat technique and number three 
Oh, uh, this is a biggie. Boy, this it just seems like 23 was the, well, no, I shouldn't say that. It happens. It's been happening every year. But 23 did seem like there was more of this going on than ever before. And that is tournament cheating. Oh, those two guys. Those man. two guys, uh, the walleye cheaters that uh, pled guilty. Kaminsky. Kaminsky was one of the ones. He yeah. was, the, he was yeah. one that got in trouble later on, too. Yeah. With the wildlife, right? Yeah, with everything. Friggin' counterfeit shit like that. This guy's, he's, yeah. He's one of those dudes. He's one of those dudes. And there's a lot of cheating going on out there. Um, don't know what that means. Do you think it's more than ever or no? No, I. you know what I think? I, and once again, I'll go back to the internet now. I think that the um, cheaters are exposed at a much yes. faster and more brilliant Mm-hmm. Uh, rate right. than ever before. Yeah. Right? We've Back had in- when we fished tournaments, we'd they'd get called out. They'd go up to the stage. They had fish marked. They poked the, the the ministry or whoever, and then they got them. But that was it. Like basically, unless it hit the newspaper, you never heard about it. You never heard about. It. We would hear about it and say, "Hey, assholes, right. get out of here. We don't want to ever fish with you again or against you again." But that was it. Now, like Angie's saying, it just wildfire spreads out there, right? Because that story was huge. That was oh, worldwide. Yeah. Like, it was fishing worldwide, you know, walleye yeah. fishing sort of thing like that. But unfortunately, it was for a bad reason. Bad reason. So, what's the Northern Ontario Top 50 Classic? Was that a yeah, that's that, a story? That was this year. That was a pike t- tournament uh, yeah. up north. And uh, I don't know. So, they're not convicted yet. It's, uh, no. it's still, still accusations. It's ongoing, but yeah. it doesn't look good. Yeah. Yeah, really? I, I don't remember yeah. that story. Well, I don't know why I didn't. We were on the oh. road when it happened. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So, again, just... Weights and fish, and yeah, really, yeah, wow. I, I, I think at some point something's got to give on this whole tournament cheating thing. Um, well, you're certainly not going to stop it, right? Well, and I'm going to tell you why you're not. Yes, gonna, you are. Listen, listen. Yes, you are. When you, you can, when you, you can, have the tools. When to a do guy it goes to jail, when a guy gets charged three times for drinking and driving, and then he goes home. And gets drunk and drives again. You can't cure that guy. Some but, people, these yeah, people are. No, no, you can. You got to kill him. Well, I don't think you need to be that harsh. Yeah, you put him in jail. Then. You're going to lock him put up. Put him in jail forever. Yeah. You're going to lock him you up. Can't you can't know do that. See, to me. Not room in jails. They, they're letting criminals out every day because there's no room in jails. Well, we need to get better at, exactly. at, at dealing with criminals. Exactly. Then. How's that? But their feelings. You got to remember now their feelings. You can't do that. By the way, this is ridiculous. do you know. Shoot him, I say. Did, did I tell Hang you? <laughs> did I tell you that as of this year? Uh oh. Yeah, because yeah. it was just announced. Would have been announced about a month ago, or maybe a month and a half ago, that it was going to become law this year. That um, free tampons will be available. You, t- you told me this in uh, men's washrooms th- across the country for nosebleeds. What are they for? <laughs> Free tampons <laughs> oh, will be man. available in men's washrooms. Finally. Damn. I've been waiting for that for so long. <laughs> Finally, the tampons have come oh. back to the men's washroom. Oh, oh my, my God. God. I mean, we make light of it, but I, 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 bring, I just bring it up because we just need to deal with things better than we're dealing. The world is going, buddy. You and I are at the right age right now because we're going to die out of this bullshit. 
We're gonna. We're not gonna. There's a bunch of Thank bullshit, you, Jim. But there's gonna be pain and suffering between uh, now and then. Well, well, yeah, and my boys <laughs> and Nick and every, all these guys here are gonna suffer through. But you and I, well, we've uh, we're only on the cusp of it, and we're getting away from it. So, anyways, it. all right, let's move on. I, I digress. <laughs> but I, I say no, the cheating. I don't think you're ever gonna stop it. It's yes, like, you can. You, yeah, you, yeah, you can. You can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, these criminals, but their minds work very different than all the rest of us. We have it in place. We've had a ruling in place since the advent of tournaments. Okay. What is it? How are we going to stop? You got to stop the team tournament concept. Okay. You stop that. You stop cheating. You put you and me who are adversaries and competitors. And I, my job is to beat you. Your job is to beat me mm-hmm. on the same boat. Right. Okay. Every day. I like that. Zero cheating. Draw tournaments. I used to do, Zero right? cheating. Right. I guarantee you it's zero cheating. And they haven't had to spend a nickel in infrastructure to make that happen. At the U.S., for the most part now, not this walleye series, obviously, but bass tournaments, serious bass tournaments. There are no team serious bass tournaments. No, there are. There's a couple. Who? Where? There are some out there. Serious? There's, yeah, there's... I just Top read level? One, yeah, I just read one the other day, a team event that was uh, like a national team event or something like that. But for the most part, you're right. They're, they're, they're individuals, and there's usually a camera on the boat, which is very much would stop you from cheating, or a marshal on the boat, which would very much stop you from cheating, for sure. Done. But on the little, on the smaller tournaments, you're not going to... They want, they just not going to have marshals. They're not going to do that, right? They can't... they got to... So then, so, then, do so then don't get all pissed off when people cheat. Right. Say, hey, guys, have at it. If you want to put some, uh, you know, extra. We're, not, we're certainly not going to check your boats anymore. What are we checking your boats for? It's ridiculous. <laughs> so no more checking of the boats. You want to use live bait? Well, you know, we suggest that you don't. But, hey, have at it. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? You got a pocket full of leeches there. Sure. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> you want to cage them up because you caught them uh, on Tuesday of the Put them in a cage. Why not? Then it's good. And let's move on. But for you serious people, serious competitive anglers who want to challenge yourself and see how you do against a top-level field, there's no more team tournaments. They're, They're gone. Why would we be so... Like, to me, it's no different than a treble hook is not a single hook. That's That's how I feel about tournaments. No different at all. Yeah, yeah. You want you know, to... There's got to be a way that somebody will still find a way of cheating. There'll be how? a way. I don't know. Somehow they'll be... They'll pay off their partner. They'll say, you get all the prize money. I want the trophy. I don't know. Whatever. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, you know, hey... Oh, you're taking an awful chance because if you... Yeah. If you say that to somebody... Yeah, but he's say, a criminal. Oh, but he's a criminal. Saying? What are you suggesting? That you're, you're, you're going to cheat? Uh, yeah, I'm suggesting that. Don't okay. you want your $10,000? We're heading in. I'm going to turn you in right now. Yeah, I can call you a liar. You told, you said it to me. No, you t- you brought it to me. I'm telling you, criminals, bud. Yeah, criminals. They're not good people. Uh, things learned in That's 20- why you lock your truck. Some bitch gonna steal that nice truck of yours out in that parking lot. I right wish now. they would actually. <laughs> they wouldn't because they look and say, "Look who painted that thing." What the hell? <laughs> I wish they would. To be honest with you, it would solve my problem. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that, are we? No, we're not going to talk about that. This is not the episode we're going to talk about that. We could one day. Oh, oh, no, I'm going to. I'm going to. Right on. Yeah, once we see how it ends up. Right? Good good point.
interrupt this program to bring you the much-anticipated bonus code for the latest Fishing Canada giveaways. This week's code is LAKER, all caps, L-A-K-E-R, LAKER, a.k.a. the lowly old gray lake trout. Just type that in the bonus code section of the contest and receive 100 free entries towards all of our current giveaways. For those of you who aren't in here yet, what are you waiting for? Head over to FishingCanada.com while you're listening to the rest of this episode. Click Contests and sign up for all the latest Fishing Canada giveaways. And now, back to the episode. Uh, all right. Uh, things learned in 2023. Things that we learned. that we learned? Yeah, or this the is audience? for you guys. We, we learned this. Yeah. Okay. Right. Things that we learned in 2023. Uh, number one on the list uh, fish feel sonar. That's what we were talking about with Ryan, that one right, right there, that uh, Ryan. Farrell and what I said, I was going to talk about later on. I believe I'm making a prediction. I think I've done it already on an episode. I don't know what number it is. I wasn't keeping track, but I am predicting that the next major breakthrough in this technology is going to be a unit that constantly changes its I'll call it frequency for the lack of a better description, but the ability to change the the pulsating signal that the fish are being bombarded with. Scrambling it. They're going to scramble it. They're going to change it constantly. So there's nothing consistent about it. It's just going to be a series of, of sounds and beeps and blips that the fish will not be able to determine is danger. Because right now what's happening is that if you sit on top of a school of fish and and expose it to these pulsating blips of, of, of whatever it is, uh, they're feeling it. In, in, in my opinion, and certainly in a lot of other people's opinion, they're feeling it. We've learned how to deal with that. But I think that moving forward, the next major piece of technology will be a sonar device that will not allow the fish to key in on what's happening that'll be a good one if they if the garmin can come up with something like that i'll tell you they're working on it as we speak that'd be a game changer for sure as we speak it's being worked on and and they'll all be the scramble signal they call it Uh, scrambler the scrambler Okay. Don't worry about scrambling for fish anymore, folks, because they don't know you're there. Exactly. Okay. It's like you're invisible. Yeah, your cloak and dagger. <laughs> Let's get them. <laughs> oh, look, Dean's taking notes for God's oh, sake. Oh, yeah. He's going he's to send that to Garmin and say, Dear Garmin, my name's I Dean go, Thomas. And I, I worked, come up with this great I idea. I told Ange and Pete about this thing that was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> but think about I love it. it. Think about that. It, it, it would uh, take us to the next level. Because, you know, there's no question, I think, in most anglers' minds that use this type of technology, there's no question that that um, the fish become aware of you pretty quick. So you have to kind of change the way you, you approach that. But anyways... Number two, uh, open water walleye on inland lakes. Yeah, this is not really a 2023 thing. You know, Dean, you remember we did it in KB in 22, and yeah. we did it, and uh, we've done it a little bit more, but we're doing it a lot more now. And that's just, and that that's not new 
to, to the walleye world. It's new to us. You know what I mean? We're always, Ange and I love jig fishing. We mm. love throwing a jig on a piece of structure. Let's be honest, you know, or your, or even live bait rigging or bottom bouncing, bottom <gasps> bouncing. You're right on the bottom. You, mm. you know, you're working some rock or whatever. Drop but, shotting. Any yeah, of that any stuff. Of the drop shotting is huge for us now in walleye fishing. But, but this open water deal, you can't ignore the open water population of walleye and inland lakes. And I, I don't, if is if the lake's got walleye and it's got a bit of good basin to it and deep water basin-ish, you know, like 30, 40, 50 feet or whatever, you might want to start looking for some uh, roamers out there too. That's all I'm saying. So I think it's, it's coming now, more and more uh, prevalent to us anyways. And we keep, you know, going around beating the same bush, but with, with forward facing technology or even side scanning for that matter, are you? Do you think it would be worth this at some point, rather than randomly trying to find those single walleye that are hanging out in open water? Do you think it'd make sense to start focusing on them and 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 seeing if maybe they're working bait just like bass do in open oh, water? I, I right? to this day I still, but I use my traditional. That's right. what I do. I look around and I don't have to worry about the side. I know what they look like on traditional. And I don't even really look as much for bait as I do for just a kind of a loose population of walleye because they will stay in certain areas. They'll all of a sudden your screen will start seeing two or three or five hooks on it instead of one here and then one away down there and one away down there. When you look at when you're finding that, usually you got to kind of put it in your head. Okay, those or there's a good chance they'll be walleye. You can't be a hundred percent sure, but there's a good chance those could be walleye. So now I've got in my nice big area that I've got 200 yards that I want to start. And then you start dragging your crankbaits through them. You start yozering it up with your crystal minnow baits and stuff like that. That's what yeah, I do. So yeah. I, and you can do it with a live too. You can do it with a forward viewing. Say, you still, for sure. you still rely um, on traditional for that. But the problem with that is that, you know, you're looking at history as opposed to present or future because traditional is just, yeah, it, yeah, but it's, what, it's what, showing what, what you've already passed. Oh right? no, but I'm, I'm just looking and then I'll go back over that and fish it. Ah, so you wouldn't be doing any okay. different with if, even if a side viewing or if it was even for reviewing, you'd say, okay, they're up there. I cross them. Oh, there's some more up there. You're, you know, you're kind of using it to find you the know fish that first. the area is holding that, some fish. That's so what I'm I'm not looking for a little pod, not one little school. I'm looking for all kinds of fish that are, you know, all sizes and everywhere sort of thing like that. And there's certain areas in the lake that hold that. So that's what I do when I try to find them. I think a lot of the old timers were doing that before, and I think they're still doing it. Sure. The guys that troll those map spinners in the middle of the lake. Trolling all those. Seeing those hooks, you know what I mean? And And we're saying, what are they doing out there? Yeah. Like, why are you over there? The fish are all here on this this underwater hump. Yeah. Right? The one thing, one quick tip on this open water looking for the open water fish like that when you're looking at your traditional screen if they're thin little wee skinny hooks little lines like that don't worry so much about that they have to be beefy they have to have some solid usually the colors that we use there's a red or a brownish inside it so it's like a dual color if you see that nice thicker line a bunch of those thicker lines those are probably walleye or game fish at least so there you go cool uh, number three of things learned in 23, uh, small mouth in New Brunswick. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is another one we well, discovered uh, a little earlier. We had a, This is our second shoot for that, right? We yeah, did one. Yeah. Uh, We've known about but, it for, for a number of years, but uh, what we found this year oh. in terms of, of just the vastness of smallmouth in New Brunswick. Wow. It, it just, it, it takes your breath away. We went into an, an uncharted, non-mapped area that other guys have wanted to go up there. The, the, the East Coasters wanted to go in there and Angie and I got in there and 
it was ridiculous. It was so much fun. The, the amount of smallies we caught. By the way, this is, not, caught, this is not water that's off limits to anybody. No, no, no. But, but it's uncharted on the maps. Uncharted, yeah. On any maps. Yeah. Like, there's no uh, paper maps. There's no Nothing. Garmin maps on it. We made our maps in yeah. there, but, uh, oh, it was just unreal. It was just the unreal. numbers were, were numbers were breathtaking. For sure. And the odd four pounder in there. Yeah. And we know there's bigger than that in there too. We saw a couple of big baggies in there, but, uh, and, and fun. We were throwing, Andrew's throwing a Twitch bait, the Yozuri Twitch bait. And oh I was throwing a Yozuri jerk bait and we were just, just railing them. Just, <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> that might've been, and by the way, you'll see this on an upcoming Fishing Canada yep. episode. I don't know what number it's it is. It's episode three, I believe, in the, uh, coming up here. And it'll be, so, so basically three Saturdays, probably from, from, from this, today. whenever this is released. Yeah. I think three weeks from Ish. roughly three Saturdays from where we are right now. Um, if you, if you're not a regular viewer, of the vision Canada show, you definitely want to check this one out. Uh, I, I, I don't think we've ever run into so many fish oh, in our lives. God, it was so sick. Fun. So much fun and shallow. That mm -hmm. was the other thing about it too. There, there, was, a, there was one point where we were working a little way back Eddie Little, like there's a lot of current in this in the St. John River. We're gonna back Eddie, and I was hitting the three to four foot of water, and nothing was happening. And Ange threw his twitch bait like almost on the rocks. On the it was rocks. a foot of water. <laughs> One twitch, wham! All of a sudden, these and then all of a sudden we found a pot of fish that were in a foot to two feet of water. It was it was incredible just to see the the difference, the variances of you know some of them were in the little current breaks some of them were way up on the bank like that right there and some in between it was just insane yeah i want to give a shout out to now it's not on our list of things learned but that yozuri twitch bait that's a 2023 deal for sure or 22 uh, uh, and 23 it's 20 we started playing with it in 22 yeah but didn't get serious about it until 23 and i gotta tell you right now if i have one bait now I'm talking about the large, new large version of it. I'm not. I don't yep. know what what it's called. It's four and four and something inches. It's over four inches. It's base. over four inches that they just put out this past year. I think it's originally a saltwater bait, if I'm not mistaken. With the the freshwater version is the 3DB twitch bait. Right. That's the freshwater version with the right. black hooks on it. Right. I think it's just called the Ozuri twitch bait something twitch bait but not 3db with the I, silver I'm, hooks on it. i'm getting goosebumps just thinking that, about that's it. the saltwater version of it and man it is nothing short of spectacular for any species you look at it and say well you can't that's a little large to be thrown for for bass isn't it no and it's not it's no. not at all like it's, they annihilate it as a matter yeah. of fact i think the jerk baits were thrown are longer Yes. Than that. It's yeah. a thicker bait. It's like a big cigar almost. But yeah. the, the jerk baits we're throwing are even longer than that. So yeah. it's not it's not a big bait or it's very close to that jerk bait size. But the such a, a dynamic. And that was all. I got to give this boy props on that one. He come back from iCast or whatever. He says, Petey, have I got the bait for us? He just he just knew it right off the hop. I don't know how you you picked up on it. Whatever it you looked at, just, it, you brought him back, and I looked. I said, "Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Okay, good." <laughs> I didn't think much more of it, and then all of a sudden, boom! That thing is like and pike, smallmouth. Uh, we got that musky up there musky, on uh, when we're fishing for pike. Stripers, on. stripers uh, kill it. Uh, stripers absolutely. I mean, it's it's crazy. You owe it to yourself this year. You owe it to yourself. They're they're not they're not expensive. They're like twelve bucks or something. Like it's typical Yozuri, the best Japanese price, you know, for the quality you can get for sure. You owe it to yourself. 
If you are into fishing, you owe it to yourself to get one of these twitch baits. Color, it doesn't really matter. Although, although you know, in this particular shoot that we just talked about in New Brunswick, we did find that the uh, the one with the prism, uh, shiny prism inside mm-hmm. it was was maybe a little more effective. But that was just a a byproduct of the environment. You know, we were under certain conditions where that one outfished some of the other colors that we had. But oh my god, the and the gold one. If you're walleye fishing, they make a gold one that. That's the saltwater version. I think. That's the silver yeah. hook version, at least. I'm not yeah. sure if it's saltwater. Yeah. It's got a great color. Oh. Black back with gold oh. on it, and it just shimmers through that when you a little overcast. Oh, my God. Anyways, yeah. I just wanted to give them a shout-out because it uh, it certainly helped our fishing season, for sure. Um, anything else in 23 that maybe is not on this list that you, wow. that you great uh, deem like to, to be uh, learned, things you learned? While you're thinking, I have one. Go, oh, please, because I'm. I learned. To, 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 I learned that you cannot outrun a horsefly. <laughs> At least with a nine 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 point nine horsepower. No, I learned that they can exceed sixteen miles per hour. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, year, yeah. I never knew that before. A good yeah. one. I should have put that down. I knew. I now know that they can go faster than sixteen. I don't know what their limit is because we could only go sixteen. Um, but I know now that you cannot outrun no the, those those things. You they're they're, they're those things. <laughs> they're just awful. That's a good point. That is a good point. So I learned that. Yeah, that's a good one. I learned that. I'll have to think. We'll keep. We'll carry on. If I think All of right. something, I can go back to it. But uh, trends, predictions for twenty four. Mm. Predictions for twenty four. I think I already let that one out of the bag. I'm predicting your, that your new thing from Garmin. Yeah. I'm predicting that in 24, uh, Garmin will have the ability to scramble its signal um, for their forward-facing sonar. That's my prediction. Yeah, that's. I like that. I like that because we're how. I mean, where else? I mean, they stunned the world when they brought out with forward-facing. That's for sure. They just stunned us all. So, can they do that again with another stunner? I don't know. So, they maybe working on. That's a good point. I mean, they, right now they're putting, they've, they've introduced wireless networking. Yes. Which is pretty damn cool. And they're adding uh, recordability on all of you, or the Echo Map units now, too. Oh, so the more affordable, okay. yes, yeah, so you can record on your phone. Okay. Um, not on a device, but you can, for, on a plug-in device, yeah. but uh, on your phone. So they're, they're going forward and all that stuff. So I'm sure there's some good things. So, in the, so in the you future. say that they've eliminated uh, networking between no. units? No. 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 So... Yes and, no. yes and no. So now you can network two units, three units, four units wirelessly. So you can do it wirelessly. You can't network. You need a network cable to network LiveScope. Ah. So there still is that. So LiveScope live is still scope wired. Is still, you have to be wired in. Okay. And if you wanted all units, you have to wire it from what I understand anyways. But if you want waypoints, if you want just reading different screens, et cetera, et cetera, all the other screens wireless networking which is huge which is really huge so electric boats i got all hot and bothered earlier this year remember i showed <laughs> you I said, look look <laughs> yeah, yeah. look oh my god and then yeah. i haven't heard any more on yeah, it but there I was yeah. a, a, a totally electric boat that was being um uh, what do you call it uh, when they they try and uh, get money what do you call that GoFundMe? Go GoFundMe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there was a GoFundMe <laughs> okay. thing going on. 
for this um, uh, fishing boat, totally electric fishing boat. And it had, it, like, it was state of the art. It looked like something out of Star Trek. And they were looking for $500 um, um, donations, I yeah. guess it was. Yeah, and, and that would go towards the price. Uh, to, go towards, towards the purchase, purchase price. Right. They didn't know what the purchase price. Yeah, was they were going thinking around one hundred and eighty grand or something. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. Uh, yeah. U.S. I believe that yeah. was. So, yeah. and yeah. I was expecting some great things from it, but I haven't heard. Maybe like the, the Tesla of electric boats is what yeah. that would be, right? Yeah, yeah. Probably. I haven't heard any more. Yeah, so I, I haven't either. I, That's, I haven't heard anything. No. I can, I'll try and look that one up because that was that was interesting. And I they even had the, they had the big a, screens built in their own built-in oh, screens, oh, yeah. I think, and, and, and the floor would f- close in, so you yeah. had a whole deck. Of yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. I remember that beast. I even sent him a little note saying I I'd be interested in something like that. <laughs> Give me a couple. I'll take you know? a couple. You're right on. They didn't even answer me. Yeah. I guess assholes. You know. What's the matter with people know. nowadays? I don't know. They need to answer at least answer people. I don't know. Uh, baits and or techniques that will gain traction. So, oh, for a oh, new trends for 2024. Hmm. We keeping you up here? Hmm. No, I'm trying to figure this one out. You're still figuring the last one out. Come on, get with the program. <laughs> well, this one's, yeah, because the, the, the trend right now, the biggest trend in the industry in the world of bass fishing is for sure the Demiki style fishing where you're, but, but the live sonar now, the live scope, you're casting out and you're reeling these baits in above the fish and trying to get that fish to follow and bite. And the, and the trend now is to make these baits, these small plastic, because they've got to be compact to look realistic. The trend now is to make them show up better on the live, ah. right? So they're making them fatter in the head. They're making different tungsten they're making different materials they're making the, so just so it's received better as you can see it on the on the screen right? and That's they the make like right sonar like uh they reflect sonar better right like they make jigs that are specific to live scope exactly that's what they're doing yeah now. they're making that that's exactly what it is so that that you're seeing it much better on your screen. So that's, that's the latest trend in the bass fishing world, which I'm sure it can transcend into walleye and anything else as long as you're running live scope. So that's one of the things. I don't know. Um, I mean, the Ned rig was big, obviously, right? Um, I don't know what else is going on in the, in the world of that. Twitch baits, baby. <laughs> that's We need to keep pushing that. Twitch baits, baby. I think we're the only ones that are pushing it, too, to be honest with you. I'm telling you. I don't know anybody else is doing it. It Think about it. It's the best of all worlds. I think topwater fishing, first of all, from an angler's perspective, is one of the most exciting ways that you could possibly spend time out on the water. I think from a fish's standpoint, I think feeding above its uh, sight line is probably um, done more often than not so anything above its head you just mentioned they're designing this 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 uh, pattern or a presentation so that you can bring the jig in above the fish's head twitch baits twitch baits are the perfect answer for that well they are they are and they aren't aren't because because they only they don't dive deep fast enough. enough, deep enough, fast so, enough, right? So trend. If I was in the lure making business, get those switch baits down a bit more. Get them down. Give me a four footer. Give me a six footer. I know we have neutral buoyancy baits, but neutral buoyancy is not what's required to use that twitch bait action. Because what happens, by the way, what happens with this twitch bait? 
is that <clears throat> yeah it, it when you when you when you impart the the fast action on it 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 does have that fluttering it's kind of like a walk in the dog uh presentation surface, yeah presentation yeah. under the water but so. when you stop and give it slack this twitch bait shimmers that's what makes this thing work so not only are you zigzagging it back to the boat but in between the zigs and the zags this thing i don't know how or why but it does one it's of these got to be the body shape it has to be the, be the body shape, shape that just doesn't it wants to it doesn't want to settle right it has that and it's and Angie's right that, it's when you watch it, that shimmer with one that has a shine like a prism like Angie's, it starts sparkling as it's sitting still it's sparkling it's at just you. doing this sitting it looks still alive. it like, just oh looks God. like it's taking a break from that big flash that yeah. you just put in and now it's just sitting yeah, there going it does like it every that. time every pause oh. you put on it it has a shimmer on it <laughs> that is a, probably the ultimate to push a fish into biting it right there right so, it does that what they need to invent is that action on a bait that you can control its depth and 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 go to four and six and eight ten feet yeah 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 yeah. but have that action down there because that's exactly what i think is triggering those fish that we're seeing on those balls of bait i think every once in a while one of the bait fish does something silly and it might be as simple as just a quick little flash Mm -hmm. out of the school. Sure. So if you can build this bait, this twitch bait to do that Mm -hmm. at different depths, holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would not be fair. That would become illegal. (laughs) I love it. I love it. There you go. Uh, uh, Mr. Yozuri or anybody else listening. Yeah. If you're, if you want to look those baits up, just pull up in the internet, Yozuri twitch bait. That's all you have to write in there and you will get at least a good view of what Ann just talking about here. Uh, Plans and goals for 2024 before we sign off. I think big year coming up. Do we? I don't know. Um, I think Dean thinks that we do because he put that in there. Yeah. What, uh, what's going on this year? I'm hoping to ice fish more on camera. It'd be nice to get an ice fishing show. We've had tons of people request that actually. Tons. Tons. So it'd be like, nice to get that on the like books. what, three or four? I like that. Three or four, but that means like three or four hundred. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 He's kind of, he's, so, he's pretty smart, eh? He'll take your oh. theories and he'll start and put them right back in your well, face writing, sometimes. He's right? writing notes too. <laughs> yeah. I've I never seen him do that before. He's writing a lot of notes today. Uh, so are you volunteering to, to do these ice fishing? I would love shows? to. I would love to take the lead. He's there our ice go. man. There you go. He's Dean Taylor man. will be shooting ice fishing shows. In this calendar year. Oh. Come on now. Come on yeah. now. It's now official. Dean okay. Taylor will be doing the ice fishing show. He's our ice year. expert. He's going to be our ice expert. What are you and I going to be doing when that's going on? I was thinking maybe we would uh, take a, a nice, I think we should go on a nice bass fishing trip in Mexico. Oh, my God, buddy. Huh? You are talking my language. They just Good reached luck, out Dean. to me. They just reached out to me. <laughs> Good luck, said, Dean. Uh, come on down. Have fun. And we don't even have to bring a camera. We're just going for fun. Oh, oh my that's God. That's the best part. We're just going for fun. Um, yeah. Aside from those shoots, personal trips. Well, maybe we could. Uh, we could. Uh, Mexico. Go to. The, I think we haven't <laughs> been there. How long have we been there? Oh, my God. A long time ago, buddy. They're catching a fish. Time ago. That would just make you choke. Just there. Is it on fire again? El Salto's, yeah. No way. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, they're 100 fish days, 
and they're uh, they're saying you know four to five is the no- the norm of those hundred fish, with eights to twelves thrown in. Oh my god! That's sick. Oh my god! Oh my god! And there's no Anyways. no worries with the safeties. No, still some some lakes in certain areas yeah. are the you know the the gorillas, the gorillas. are a bit of a problem, yeah. but um, good. That's it. We're doing that. Done. It's on the list. New techniques or type of fishing that we are going to be doing. New techniques. I'd love to be able to pull something out, but I don't know yet. Maybe that forward view that we're talking about. That's sonar, you know, the forward viewing, running the jig above their heads once we get onto it. It's going to take some practice, but we can do that for sure. New species. That's an interesting one. I'd love to. I still still have tiger muskie on my brain, and I still have tiger trout on my brain. So I'd love to get one of those just for personal reasons, but it'd be a great, probably a great show too. We got tiger muskies here now. We got lots of them around rice Lake. Apparently it's loaded starting to load yeah, it's up. It's still a needle in a haystack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But it'd be, I said, they're a neat, they're a neat fish. Balsam Lake where your uh, family members are on. That's mm-hmm. apparently it's got a, quite a few tigers in it now too. So that'd be cool for me to get a species like that. You have any species that you kind of bucket list that you never caught yet? Or anything like that? No. No, I, I can't think of any. Uh, the, it, what's the one way up north? The in canoe. In canoe. The she, she fish. He's oh, oh, you've caught him. Yeah, right. Yeah, he has. I've never. Wow. Yeah, she she fish. They call it. Yeah, huh. that's cool. Why. The in canoe. They're weird looking little. They're fr- like a little freshwater tarpon. Right. Yeah. yeah they're neat. They yeah, they're like. neat. They're, they're pretty big mouth. too, eh? Some oh, of them get oh, big. Some of them get huge. Yeah. I'd like to get I, a. I'd like to get a nice colorful char too. A nice colorful. Yeah, remember those char. orange? Some, remember those were, orange char yeah. we caught? Yeah, they uh, weren't quite that red, red, red that they get. We got a couple. Them, did we? Oh, they were like orange, like a like a grapefruit orange. Okay. Yeah, that was at where was that? Cambridge Bay. Cambridge Bay. We were in those. We were in a tent. We were overnighting in a tent on this particular one. I'm remembering. And it was windy as hell, time. and there was no. It was daylight all the time. There was no. Oh, de- definitely daylight all the time. And it was windy, constantly and our, and our windy. Buddy you, shim wiped out on an ATV. No, that's Isn't not that? the shoot. Yes, but that's not the shoot I'm thinking about. It's a, a different. There was two parts to that, right? There was the muskox, and there was a fishing. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't uh, Cambridge. I, I, I don't I, remember I, a tent. So, so it wasn't Cambridge. It we was, landed on the tundra in a in a in an otter, otter. a turbo otter. When the guy had the t- biggest, remember he had those tires tundra, on that looked like? Tundra tires. Tundra tires, big soft. soft tires. And we landed on the roughest ground. And just, oh, we said, we're not crazy. landing there. He said, oh yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> Pulled her right down there, had an ATV in the, in, plane, in the plane, drove the ATV, put the ramp up, drove the ATV out and started going to the fishing areas. Oh my God, that was crazy. But there was a place where we stayed in a tent. It was a tent camp. It had two or three tents and it was windy the whole time we were there. Wow. And we were fishing like a, looked like just a small little pond, but it was, a, you know. A, I don't a, think I was on small that. Little it pre maybe, me, maybe. Maybe it was pre you. Yeah. But they were bright orange. Oh my God. Yeah, that'd be cool. Crazy. Yeah, that'd be fun. I, I also want to get back. I don't know why for the life of me, I have no reason in the world to want to do this again, <laughs> but I'd also like to go and tackle some of those big uh, sturgeons out in the Fraser. Yeah, I thought about that too the other day. It's kind of neat. It's short lived though, because once you get out there and you get on the business end of the rod that's holding a even like a a, a six footer, never mind mm-hmm. a ten or a twelve, but a six footer. After you do that once, 
you don't want to go up to you, bat again. You, you tap you out real quick. You tap quick. out. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. They kill you. Oh my God, it's yeah. true. But but the jump of a of a big white sturgeon is something spectacular. <gasps> like if it's a six, seven, eight footer, when it comes almost completely, sometimes completely out of the water. But even if they just do that tail walk, it's like, oh my God, it is something to behold. So good one. Yeah. Maybe so Vic, I guess maybe those could call be, Vic up. A, they, know, those could be New Year's resolutions. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think that qualifies. You think that qualifies? Yeah. Um, Dean wants to go do 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 battle with the sturgeon. I know that for sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. He wants to get yeah. one of those. He'd get his bicep all pumped up. It'll, yeah. <laughs> Dean wants to do a lot of things. Dean Dean is like uh, having another a uh, child. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I want to do that. Well, he's gung ho. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? He's, he's better than a kid that says, I don't want to do that. Because then you true. get those kids that don't want to do anything. Yeah, true. That's you know? True. Uh, outside of fishing, any any New Year's uh, resolutions? The guitar. Oh, uh, you, you know want what? to get more into the guitar? You know what? You're right. You're right. I need to hone my skills uh, on the guitar. Yes. You're, that's so, good. I have to make that. Yeah. So, so what that. we need to do, because you, you want to. Uh, further yourself in banjo. And yeah, I need to do that this year for sure. So what we need to do is set aside a, you know, maybe bi-weekly or, or once a month, once a month where we come in here, bring our instruments and we just muck around. And what that'll do, it will prompt us in between those sessions to work on things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Right. For sure. I'll, I'll put you in charge of that. Okay. Right. I can organize that. So that's my New Year's resolution, aside from, you know, having some wonderful experiences out there fishing. Um, that's what I would like to do. Yeah, guitar. I like that. Classical. I'm going to get, I'm going to, hey. By the way, I have one now. Eh? You bought a classical guitar? I didn't buy it. It was given to me. Nice. Uh, Johnny, my cousin who passed oh, away. Oh, right. He had like 12 guitars and the family gave me the classical nice so i haven't even they're a uh, neat instrument man they're very different but i you know what you've 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 driven me i'm going to try and learn to read music again because i used to read it quite well yeah and i i couldn't i if i looked at it right now there'd be no way i could look at it i wouldn't wouldn't be able to do it why i mean it's it's great to to do that but why you don't really need to just as just uh just for your own personal yeah yeah because it was fun when i did it because then i could pick a book up a musical classical book and i'd say something simple and I would say, oh, my God. Do, 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 do. Like, I learned Bach's Bury in E minor through a book. That's a hard song to play on a guitar. I did learn it. I couldn't do it now. There's no way I could do it now. But anyone wants to listen, look that up on YouTube. Bach's Bury in E minor on a classical guitar. You'll go, holy shit, Bowman could play that? So I when I got this guitar given to me, I uh, took it home and, and opened it up. I said, you know what? I'm going to change the strings on it. Oh, nylons. <laughs> yeah. change. No, no, I was Said I, I want to put new new yeah. strings. I, I yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. how long those have been on. Of course. So I went. Didn't even didn't even look at the guitar. I just went and bought really classical good classical high end guitar strings. Yeah. Brought them home, and uh, you know got ready to change the strings until I found out. Oh, there isn't a hole that that end goes into. You have to tie knots. You have to learn how to. Holy <laughs> mackerel! That's a whole different ball game, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah. It's very and the stretch. Like the, oh, like when you're like Moses new- with his, <laughs> hey? it's like Moses with his ass. 
Holy <laughs> mackerel. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyways, that's, yeah. A, that's an experience. But yeah, just they, learning those yeah. knots is kind of cool. Yeah, it's different you know. for sure. Restring, you don't, it's not one of the things you want to do once a week, that's for sure. <laughs> it takes three weeks to stretch them out, so I don't think, <laughs> you know what I mean? So... <laughs> Uh, right on. Look at that, boys. That's we got to do incentive. Nothing that's to do with it. fishing there, but no, that's, that's but good. No, but that's it. Once a month, I want to see a schedule. Okay. And uh, and we'll make that happen. Yep. That are it. We did it. Uh, made it through another year. We certainly are happy that uh, you were able to join us in that journey, and we've got a great one coming up. Uh, I'm sure I feel it in my bones that everything we talked about here will be amped up even more so for next year's version of this episode. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Don't forget the contest, fishingcanada.com. It's ongoing. The portal, the gateway to your next fishing adventure is waiting for you at fishingcanada.com. Uh, the store, all kinds of great Shop. new items. Shop.fishingcanada.com. That's the one. All kinds of great new items going up there regularly, so keep uh, keep in touch with it and have a peek. Uh, don't forget the Fishing Canada show every Saturday, 8 a.m., I believe we may be the last man standing, by the way. Yeah, yes. I yes, checked with, that. I had a meeting with Global a couple of days ago, and uh, yeah. So yeah. everybody's out? No. On a national, of the national okay. programs, uh, we are the only one left. We are now surrounded by infomercials on Global. Wow. Oh, my. Everybody's that's, gone. Is that a good wow. thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I think that's worthy of a of a podcast episode. Yeah. We, we, we may be that. recording that very soon. Okay, I know. We, I remember seeing something yeah. about some one of the retired, recently retired people yeah. on that. We'll, so we'll talk all about that. Okay. All good. right. Good. That are it. Thanks, folks. Uh, on behalf of the entire crew, uh, Vova patiently sitting there reading and doing whatever he does. Bored out of his head. Bored out of his head. Uh, Nick, uh, absent as per usual. Uh, Maybe in the new year, maybe that should be a resolution. Him being here? Yeah, him being here. Maybe somebody should enforce that, you know? It's probably not a bad idea. We'll get get Madame Tangay to get on. Exactly. The Countess, she knows how to drive that one. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dean Taylor on the board, our producer. Uh, He's my co-host, Peter Bowman. I'm Angelo Biola. Thanks, folks. We'll catch you soon. 